This week's episode of the Jones Report is presented by O'Connor Advisory Group. We want to be your partner. OAGKS.com, O'ConnorAdvisorGroup.com for the best financial planning around with O'Connor Advisory Group's own Brian O'Connor. You can reach out to Bo at 785-856-0720. That's 856-0720 to schedule an appointment today. Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Jones Sport Tyler Jones. We're so glad to have you with us. Coming up on today's show, Derek Hagler is going to join us from KU The Hills. We'll get his perspective on uh, all things Kansas football and basketball. Talk some Kansas City Chiefs with Derek when he joins us coming up in a little while from right now. Plus, we'll have Coach Bo's Football Fix presented by O'Connor Advisory Group. Uh, we'll get Bo's insights on... The AFC and NFC Championships, look ahead to the Super Bowl, talk some coaching changes. We'll get to our Big 12 breakdown this week and plenty more ahead, as well as our Tom Fuller story of the week coming up at the end of today's show. Thomas Bridges joins me right now. And Tom, just before you and I hopped on the air here, we were, we were talking about the uh, the ban on Zins that the government is trying to push on us. And I got to say, like, I would hate to see Zens go, but I'm already starting to plan in my head. As somebody that believes that Zen is not a sin, I am starting to plan for the inevitable here and thinking I need to like stockpile some Zens. Maybe I'll I'll, I'll start a black market sale of Zens in the future here. What are, what are Zens running um, in Dallas? I know in San Antonio, I went to. As a big Jewel fan myself, which if you have Netflix and you haven't watched uh, the Big Vape documentary, it almost put me off to Jewel because I'm like, damn, usually not really used to getting tricked, but I feel tricked after watching that. So, Tom, I uh, the other day, you know, the the shady gas station by my apartment. Oh, uh, yeah. Where where shit goes down, you know, like they. Not only do you not want to be the, this place at night, but they they inflate the prices. Like, you thought inflation was bad. This is where inflation is really bad. And the other day, I didn't have my car, and I needed some Zins. So my only choice was to go for that gas station. And, Tom, I, I'm embarrassed to admit, but I paid over $7 for a thing of Zins. God damn. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, this the Zins that I saw were like five sixty nine. I'm old enough to remember Tom when Zins first started, and they were promoting them at NASCAR tracks, selling them for a dollar a can. Man, can you imagine if you just bought them all up? Then I might have some old cans somewhere. I wonder if they're still good. Then you could. Then you could have. Uh... You could have made the profit. I was in on Zen before it was cool. Were you? I that I started Zens back then. Were you one of the OGs? I was when they were selling them at NASCAR tracks. I like I want to check this out, and I bought a couple cans back then. Now I went away. I was lost, but now I'm found. Oh my god! Amazing Zen. <laughs> how great the taste <laughs> amazing zen how great the taste i'm going to hell now tom oh man well i'll save you a seat 
Have you joined the Zen craze yet? No, I'm 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 a jewel. I'm I'm a jeweler from from day one. Me and uh, you know what? Me and my friends at Jewel, we you know like, yo man, uh, you know, let me get a like instead of like, hey, let me get a jewel pod. If we're if someone's short, like, yo, let me get a Julie. <laughs> like when? Okay, so and and. The white people are the worst about this, and they name their kids like Braxton, Braxton Lee, and Paige Lee, and I mean, I'm waiting for a Virginia woman to name their kid Marbley or something like that. Um, there's even a subreddit called Tragedy, not like, but spell tragedy like white people naming their kid would do it. It would be like. Tragedy D E I G H. Um, and you know, you if you want to name her, if I was going to name my daughter, if I had a daughter and name her Julie, it'd be two U's, right? Like J U U L I E. But oh. Zen, there's there's not a, you know, the only Zen I could think of, and only '90s kids will know this. If you remember the Disney Channel movie Xenon. I was thinking the old uh, Zenith TVs. Oh, the Zenith, but Z-Y-N-I-T-H? Yes. Or was it called Zenith? What was it? I think it was called Zenith. I think they made, like, VCRs and such. Like you probably, Yeah, I had, a, I had a Zenith. You probably bought it at, like, Circuit City. I had a 12-inch Zenith. <laughs> take that out of context like hey girl i got a 12 inch zenith i just paused i didn't say anything like, yeah, yeah like, you were waiting i mean you can't really bonk me for that but it's definitely a bonk like <laughs> girl you trying to say i got a i got an eight inch zenith for you you want some of this zenith tonight girl let me let me give you <laughs> let me give you 4k on this zenith <laughs> <laughs> let me put my let me put my HDMI in your I'm, zenith. I'm the magic man. Now you see me. Now you don't. Welcome to the zenith. I gotta. Yeah. Let me give it. Let me. Let me. Let me plug my. I, let me plug my. Uh, what do you call it? The. Um, oh, the audio video. Let me play my. A and V into your zenith. <laughs> Jesus Christ, those are nineties pickup lines. <laughs> oh my lord! Wow. Well, man, we're gonna end up starting with Tom Fuller and ending with Tom Fuller. That's an entrance right there. That that's incredible. Um, I want to know if you're listening in. I gotta know what the age of our listeners is. Did have you had did you have a zenith growing up? Do you still have a zenith? Or and are we saying it wrong? Is it really zenith? I think Tyler Jones <laughs> the uh the Jones report sponsored by Zenith. I mean, there's no Do way they have enough pixels for the second half. There's no way that if you were a kid in the 90s, 
you didn't have a Zenith TV or VCR that you got from the Circuit City. We're gonna. I'm gonna ask that on Twitter right now to Zenith. If they if they have a Twitter, we know that. I I don't know. Like last time you seen Zenith, what happened to Circuit City? They got probably bought up. Like Singular got bought up by AT and T. Um. Somehow like, I no, I haven't heard a comic commercial. It was just an electronic store. Like why could that not survive and just kept selling electronics? I mean, because Best Buy came out. That was like the only one could survive legitimately. I mean, the hell with the Geek Squad. Yeah, Geek Squad is a scam. A big scam. Like the that that is predatory on on the geriatric community. <laughs> like that, to be honest, like, you know, I used to work with a lady who was like, Oh, you know, I got a, I got an iPad and we, you know, paid the extra $220 for two years of geek squad. I was like, Hey, listen, listen here, Cindy, unless you're watching, I mean, you're, you have an Apple product with an iPad, unless you're watching like some hardcore porn, that is not from the major sites. Like, you're not gonna need Geek Squad. Like, no one, no one is gonna hack you on an Apple product. Like, you don't need to pay the two hundred dollars extra Geek Squad. And they're like, well, it's just to be sure. And I'm like, you know what? If you have the money to do that, then I'll be. It's like the people that pay for Apple Care. Well, I you know, as a DJ, I'm like, okay, Apple Care to me is a little bit worth it. Yeah, I think that's actually worth it because if something does happen, like a spill, or you drop it, or something like that, that I can get behind. So funny it depends enough. on what you're buying too. Like, are you buying an iPad, or are right. you buying? Like, are you buying like a twenty five hundred dollar MacBook Pro? So funny. That's what differentiates it to me. I'll say this real quick before we move on. Um, I don't have Apple Care, to my knowledge, anyway. And on my phone, like I had a malfunction like a month or two ago where it wasn't wanting to charge properly, and I took it into the Apple Store, and they didn't charge me anything to fix it. They said, "Oh, you got Apple Care." I'm like. I didn't say anything. I just was quiet. Uh-huh. <laughs> my sister's got Apple Care. We're all on a, a family plan. Like I, I pay my my parents for my phone each month. So I'm wondering, did they mistake me for my sister? Did my sister's Apple Care that she pays extra every month cover my phone? If if so, hell yeah. All right, Jones, before we move on, real quick, last thing here. I'm still trying to find out how to what the pronunciation is. I'm still going with Zenith. You can't even say that right. It's pronunciation. Like, how do you, like, I'm saying, like, how do you say it? Like, is it Zenith or Zenith? I'm going to still go Zenith, but I looked it up. And 95, LG purchased a majority share. And 99, Zenith filed for Chapter 11 bankruptcy. And LG acquired the remainder of the company. Bum, 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 Bankruptcy. That sucks. 
so they didn't they they were the first domino to drop um all blockbuster oh here we go this is gonna break me here we go it's zenith zenith it is zenith not zenith sad that's bullshit it'll always be you know what they they filed for bankruptcy i'm Let's start a new company called Zenith. Zenith. And we'll, we'll spell it Z-Y-N-I-T-H. And we're going to sell electronic Zens. And we'll partner up with Elon Musk for the uh, Neuralink. Wouldn't an electronic Zen just be like a, like an e-cig at that point? What, do you just put it on the fucking charger and it just recharges <laughs> the nicotine? Right. You just put it you put it under your tongue like a tab of acid. Right. <laughs> and uh you got Theo Vaughn going in the forest of Peru to take the new ayahuasca. Oh Lord. Jesus uh, Christ. Man, what a Tom Fuller. We're, this is like a Benjamin Button version of the Jones Report. It's, We're it's, starting off with Tom Fuller. We gotta get something else. We're starting out a bang. Uh the Super Bowl matchup set. Did you hear about that? Chiefs and Niners. It's 2020 wow. <laughs> all over again. We got Trump, Biden, and we got the Niners and the Chiefs. Can't wait to see what China comes up with for a pandemic here in a few weeks, too. Um, Tom, I got to tell you, these two teams, two completely different paths to get here. The Chiefs are playing great football over the last few weeks, and they turn it on at the right time. The Niners on the other end stumble into the Super Bowl. They didn't look great against the Packers. They didn't look great against the Lions, but they found a way to win both those games, and here they are. And I got to tell you, I feel really good about the Chiefs' chances. They're, we mentioned how much better they're playing lately. That defense has come along. They're running the football well. I feel like the wall is eventually going to come crashing and burning down for the Niners and the Chiefs, they've been there. They've done that before. They know what it takes. They're putting it on at the right time. I think all the momentum heading into next week is is leaning Kansas City's direction in this matchup right now. I know well, nine I mean, is favored. I know that they're favored, but something tells me, like, I'm, I just can't bet against Mahomes and Kelsey next week. No, I don't blame you. You know, like, let's let's look at it. The last three Niners games, okay, they lost, they, they lost to the Rams. Um, that didn't mean a whole lot because they set the starters, but so did the Rams. Carson Wentz, baby. Carson Wentz got his redemption. Rams win that game. They should have lost to the Packers, and the Packers fucked it away. They should have lost to the Lions, and the Lions fucked it away. You know who's not going to fuck it away? Andy Reid's not going to fuck it away. <laughs> yes. Um, He's not. He, he's not. Like... Yeah, you can fuck it away against Matt LaFleur. Yeah, you know what? Dan Campbell, he hasn't been there before. He's going to fuck it away. He's going to shit the bed. This is Andy Reid. He has his own mac and cheese. He's he's not going to let this slip. And the man the man wants Kyle to go Shanahan out like Jerome Bettis. mac and cheese a day in his life. Yeah, exactly. I mean, Kyle Shanahan eats avocado toast. Definitely. Um and Christian McCaffrey 
you know, I I that's the least hateable player for me on the whole Niners is Christian McCaffrey. He Kyle paid Shanahan. his dues. Kyle Shanahan drinks skim milk. Yeah, he is a skim milk son of a bitch, isn't he? Oh <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, he yeah, he yeah, you're right. You're absolutely right. That or you know what I've I don't know if you've had almond milk. Almond milk's not really that bad. I think skim milk tastes way worse than almond milk. I think they're both terrible. I would rather have almond milk. I almond milk, I've had the, the chocolate milk almond milk and it's silky smooth. Um I think it's delicious actually. Um but that being said, Kyle Shanahan, no. I mean, they come out like they did against the Lions. Kansas City's going to toast them like a piece of avocado toast. I like this is setting up for Kansas City to win. You know, I think when, uh, you know, it's funny if you are a Netflix fan and have watched Stranger Things, the upside down is in Indiana. I think the NFL upside down has to be, I think there's a secret fault line between Kansas City K and Kansas City Mo. Yeah. I think there's something going on there that gives them some sort of a superpower. And I think that factors into like KU, like basketball too. If you look at it, like we've talked about on this show, all the, we talk about it all the time, especially Big 12 basketball. KU, you know, like, and we'll talk about this later, I'm sure. Houston has the upper hand right now, but can you ever doubt Bill Self and KU? They end up finding a way to do things. Same kind of way about Kansas City Chiefs. They start out so, like, well, you know, we're getting later into the season. They're going to figure it out. And what happens? They they do it. This Chiefs team feels like the um, – it feels like one of those KU teams that's like, yeah, we won 10 Big 12 championships in a row, and, you know, 11's looking sus right now, but – Find a way. They find a way. That's how this, Chief, this Chiefs team feels like one of those Bill Self teams that kind of shit to bed early but end up figuring it out in the end. Well, and and I, think, I, think, I think they'll do it again. I feel like, Tom, not just with Brady's retirement, but the torch was kind of passed in the sense where – you know, all those years with Brady from New England to even when he went to Tampa Bay, no matter what, you still had to find a way to beat Tom Brady. You had to do what you could to take Tom Brady down. If you want to beat the Super Bowl, you still got to get through Tom Brady. And Tom always found ways to to get the job done. And it was so hard to, to slay Tom Brady, right? I, I saw you know, a stat the other day that Mahomes has more wins now in the playoffs than Peyton Manning. Incredible. Yeah. And now you, you turn things over to Mahomes and it's like, really, are, are you going to, as well as you play, can you beat, take down Mahomes and Kelsey and Andy Reid until those three are broken up? It is going to be hard to take them down. I mean, it's, and you can even add Chris Jones to that equation too. Like the consistency, the know-how, been there, done that. They, they, they've done this time and time again, and and here they are in this circumstance. I mean, even look back at last year's Super Bowl, Tom. Everybody looked at that matchup, and you said 1 through 53, the Eagles are the better team than the Chiefs. Jalen Hurts outplayed Patrick Mahomes that game. 
He had one of the best, maybe the greatest Super Bowl performance we've ever seen, and it still wasn't enough. Now you go ahead to this year, like, I, I, I like Brock. I, I, I'm very excited for what, I don't. what he's done for his career and <laughs> how well he's played and just the story and all that. But you, you cannot convince me that Brock Purdy is going to be the one to stop Mahomes and the Chiefs from another Super Bowl title here. Like, you ha- they had their chance. Like, the Bills going to do it with Josh Allen. The Ravens going to do it with Lamar Jackson. There's no way in hell that Brock Purdy is going to be the one that, that stops Mahomes this time. Well, and you know what? Maybe Cam Newton's on our side here. And it's unfortunate because – I don't like to see a back-to-back team win it. And I, I like the Chiefs. I think they're probably my, I guess you could probably say my maybe my third favorite team. I was really rooting for the Houston Texans this year. And after the Packers beat Dallas, I was really rooting on Green Bay. But you know my favoritism towards like smaller market teams. Right. Um, I was really rooting for Detroit, and I thought they had it in the bag, and I was going to have to root for Detroit had they won, but I can never root for San Francisco. But I don't like to see a team win back-to-back Super Bowls. This will be, if Kansas City pulls us off, this will be the first back-to-back in 15 years, something like that? Uh, 20 years. Oh, so like 05-06 Patriots? Uh, it would have been the oh four oh five Patriots. Well, I mean, yeah, like I don't, I don't like to see that at all. But you know, Kansas City wasn't even that dominant this year. Like, I mean, they were still pretty good, obviously, but they were this this team. If you want to pick out, if Kansas City does it, if they win in the in the last three in the in the three Super Bowls, they would end would have end up winning. This is the least dominant team, in my opinion, oh, if I, they win. I think on paper, Tom, of the Mahomes era, this is the worst team of the entire era. I mean, I mean, look, I mean, look at what Kadarius Tony even came out and outed himself of being a shit player. He did. I saw some people say, like, hey, listen, man, the Chiefs gave you an out to say you were injured. And right. you kind of clowned yourself saying I wasn't injured they just didn't want to play me I'm like yeah man that's not a good look and um, um he's uh he's back off the injury report he's practicing now great yeah I mean yeah if I was them I would work with Rasheed Rice but I, I mean I mean for the Chiefs man like if they do it you know that's great I will never root for the 49ers um you know I don't even care if I had if they were like well well I can, I, we can, we say we can be bought. If they were like, well, you know, you can root for the 49ers and if they win, you make 10 grand or a grand. Or I think I would root for the 49ers if they said, hey, Tom, we'll give you 500 bucks if they win. You just got to root for them. I'll, I'll, I would put on a Brock Purdy jersey for 500 bucks. But if the Niners were playing Afghanistan in the Super Bowl, would you root for Afghanistan? I might have a Bin Laden jersey on. <laughs> I mean, oh my gosh! Like I'm gonna get investigated. Um, that that being said, I think Cam Newton agrees with us. Did you see what Cam Newton had to say about Brock Purdy? I did. I did. Tenth um, best player. I don't know about tenth best. I think maybe eighth best. 
Yeah, seventh or eighth, like McCaffrey, Trent Williams, Bosa, uh, Debo, Debo IU, Kittle, that's Kittle. That right there. Yeah. So probably about eighth or ninth. Yeah, he's kind of like what you guys used to think Ron Rivera was, the ninth best coach. Right. I mean, but it's a it's a tough thing to measure by because let, let's say you took the Ravens, for example. Couldn't I make a case that Justin Tucker would be higher than Lamar Jackson by that logic? I mean, he's – he's didn't Tucker have the most points currently in the NFL? And, and yeah, he's like the NFL's all-time scoring leader, yeah. I mean, you know, he's won more games for the Ravens than – I don't know. You can't really – I don't know how you determine that, but – Well, I mean, based I mean, on that logic that Cam's talking, I could make that case for, you know – I, I could go to the Chiefs and say, well, Harrison Bucker then is probably the fifth best player on the Chiefs. Keekley was better than Cam. Right. Steve Smith better than Cam. Yeah. Uh, Greg Olson. Right. I mean, you could go back on – I mean, you could go back on Cam and say, hey, you weren't the best player on the, that team either. Like, don't come after Brock Purdy when you never won one yourself. Like – yeah, you know, keep your high fashion and and you're not. He doesn't even. I, I I'm not defending Brock Purdy by any means. Don't get me wrong, but Cam Newton coming out of the fucking woodwork is like RG three talking shit. Like, right? You really can't say anything when Brock Purdy has. You know, if Brock Purdy wins this then by all means, Brock Purdy's probably going to go down, and especially as Mr. Irrelevant, Brock Purdy wins the Super Bowl. Well, in my eyes, I put I put that chest, that Brock Purdy chess piece in front of the Cam Newton chess piece. Well, the, the thing with Cam, too, like it feels like he's hiding to an extent because he's saying it on a podcast that nobody listens to. He's not going out there on ESPN or FS1 or something like that, like – we know what you're doing, Cam. You're trying to draw attention to yourself for us to pay attention to this podcast nobody cares about. Yeah, they should put Kendrick Perkins, Cam Newton, and, um, you know, Steven Jackson of of the NBA all on one podcast. Oh, that'd be just, nice. just three shit talkers, honestly. Like, don't get me wrong. I enjoyed the Cam Newton years, but. You know, he's kind of like, oh, somebody look at I mean, th- I don't get me wrong. I hate Brock Purdy. Not his character, not him as a person, but just him as a player in his past. I, I will never root for an Iowa State player as long as I live. Um, it's kind of like Baker. I don't hate Baker as a person. I like him as a competitor, but he's an OU player. I'll never root for him I mean, uh, as long as I live. He played for the Rams. I was conflicted. Um, we weren't we weren't in the playoffs, so I you know I was conflicted. Um, but that being said, like you know, it's like come on, like you know I can't like it like it's just a look at it's a very much that was a very much look at me. Is he wrong about Brock Purdy being you know maybe seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth best player? No, he's not wrong. Well, he didn't, you know, he didn't have to be the best player on the team. He he's not wrong, but I feel like it's personal. It's a vendetta. He's that, mad. 
as against Brock Purdy that it's it feels too personal, and that's the that's where I take issue with. Like it's but not yeah, he's just he's just not mad. a constructive criticism. It's just, bro, you suck and you don't belong here. Like he's, I mean, he's jealous, right? I, I mean, you know, it's like oh, okay, well, you know, the Saints would take Brock Purdy in a second, right? And uh, it's just like Cam, listen, ain't your time no more, brother. Let me ask you this one more question, and then we'll we'll get off this topic here. Um, of the teams that didn't make it, the Lions and the Ravens this past week, the Lions obviously had a better chance to win than Baltimore did. Like they let that one, you know, just get taken away from them with stupidity, you know, getting away from the run game and Dan Quinn with his decision-making on those four downs. But then you, you look at the Ravens and the Ravens were a better team than Kansas city but were unprepared, came in with a horrible game plan, got away from the run game, didn't let Lamar do his thing. Uh, those teams, their season ends early. Who do you think is feeling worse right now? Is it the Lions for, for letting that one slip the way it did or for the Ravens just coming out flat and and not being prepared for that game? Because I, I feel like that – had either one of those teams done what they were supposed to, we could have had different outcomes this this past weekend. I I lean towards the Lions being the more embarrassing because of the big lead they had, but both teams got to be licking their wounds here of just the missed opportunity here. And, and you might not get that chance again. You know, and and you're absolutely right when you say you might not get that chance again. Even even Dan Campbell addressed that in the post game and said, "You listen, it's going to be hard to get back here." He said, "You know, this is." This was hard enough to get to where we are at right currently here. Right. And, and but, along those same lines, too, like Ben Johnson this week claimed that he wasn't going to take the Seahawks or commander's job because he wanted to go chase the Super Bowl ring with the Lions as their OC. I'm like, wait, wait, wait a second. No, the, you're, you're actually saying that because you're not being offered one of those two jobs. Um, that's what you really mean. That just doesn't fit your narrative here. If, if that was what you were wanting, then you wouldn't have taken an interview with those two teams. Like you're not, the lions are going to be, I like what they're doing, but the lions are going to be another team next year. Green Bay is going to be right there. San Fran. I think Philly's going to be back. I mean, there's no guarantee Detroit or the Ravens are going to get this chance again, especially the Ravens too, with 20 free agents, including Patrick queen and, Justin Matabuke and others here. I mean, both these teams. That's what, yeah, that's what I was going to say. I I think, you know, you asked that what team, you know, if you were the head coach or if you were the a fan or just whatever, you were rooted for one of those teams or had that interest in mind, which team shit the bed more? I think it's the Ravens. Let's be honest. Like there was, there was already prior questions about Lamar. He had, he had not really set out or called out. He kind of did. And it, there was there was questions up in the air about is Lamar going to come back? Well, he signs a deal, does whatever. They have this great season, you know. They do lose two great running back. Well, I I don't know. I wouldn't call J.K. Dobbins great because he's never done anything, but he has the potential to do it. I'm not hating on him, but you know, you're the Ravens. You have all this momentum. Like you're you have you have a home playoff game. Like. You take care of the Texans. You know what you have in the Chiefs. You're at home. 
in Baltimore. Uh, you got Ray Lewis in the building. You got everything going for you. You shouldn't. You got you know your your coach's brother already won the Natty. It's setting up for a great storyline. And then you go out and lay an egg and and look just embarrassing. Then you lose your defensive coordinator to the Seattle Sea Chickens. And then you mentioned you already have 20 players going to free agency. You can't keep all of them. You're probably not going to keep Patrick Queen because someone's going to pay him. Um, There's going to be some turnover in Baltimore a little bit, and the team's going to look a lot different. I think in in that – and that division itself is not going to, the Browns look decent. The Steelers, I think will be, you know, okay. You have the Ravens and then the Bengals get Joe Burrow back and look to make somewhat of a comeback. Uh, and the lions, you know, you have Jordan love Packers did good. Bears are still going to be dog shit. The Vikings, who knows what they're going to look like. Maybe with Kirk cousins, maybe without, I like the lions to get back further. If you're the Ravens, you have to be a little bit more embarrassed. This is the first time the Lions have done shit. And the Ravens had the best record in the league. They had home field. I mean, everything was set up for Baltimore and came out flat the way they did. So, like, I think, I think for for Baltimore, you have to be a bit, a little bit like. And and that's the funny thing. Harbaugh didn't even come out and 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 kind of address it. Kind of like, I mean, I respect to Dan Campbell. He came out and said, "Hey, listen, we." You know, and I think he knew he fucked up and was like, listen, it's going to be hard to get back here. Like, this is a bitch of a season, and we had a great season. And then they – I wouldn't – Jones, how do you feel? I don't think they let the city of Detroit down. I think they did it the city of Detroit proud. But you do feel for the storyline with that. You know, they had that old ball sack-looking fan that had been a fan for a 100 million years. Um, and – He'd been a he what he had been a season ticket holder since uh you know before my dad was born. My dad's sixty. Um and then you look at it and it's like, damn, I wish you could have got a Super Bowl for him, but now a whole new season starts. Right. Yeah, no kidding. Um more to come here on the uh, Jones Report. We'll uh be talking uh, in just a bit our Big Twelve breakdown segments. Uh, Derek Haglund said to join us in a bit. Tom Fullery as well. More to come uh, as uh, we continue. But uh, Tom, uh, the, the the big news we got to get to. Uh, you see, Lewis Hamilton's uh, going for Ferrari. <laughs> I don't think. No, I didn't. <laughs> and that was that was talking F one. I, I had to catch you off guard there. Um, yeah, he did. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you, you you were ready to really expand on that one, you know. Yeah. Uh, I know. Yeah, you got you got me. You you know, I I didn't have that on my twenty twenty four bingo card. <laughs> Doesn't matter unless you go to Red Bull anyway. You know, like okay, exactly. Verstappen's going to keep on winning. So good good luck, Lewis. Uh, more power to you. With that said, though, uh, after that, we will uh, look ahead to our Big 12 breakdown this week with the latest happenings in the Big 12 conference. We begin each and every week with our hot takes across the Big 12 and football and basketball, both. Tom, get us started first. What direction are you going this time? You know, I would have said 
because I I just kind of for the not even you can't even call it shock factor anymore, right? Um, I would have liked to been able to say if we did this show earlier that on you know Tuesday Oklahoma State would have you know went to the fog and upset KU. Realistically, you know this is kind of like uh, I feel like, and I love this about it because the Big Twelve breakdown. For the most part, when we make our crazy picks of the week, it's kind of like whose line is you know whose line is it anyways? Like, you know, the topics are made up and the points don't matter. That's how I kind of look at this every single week. And you know, since this is the first week, this is the first week that the Big Twelve schedules come out. And that being said, um. We can now focus back on football a little bit. You know, we didn't, we knew some of it, but we didn't know enough of it. You've got, you know, you've got a whole brand new Big 12 coming up in the football realm of things. And you've got KU, uh, what, playing in two separate states this year. Who would have picked that? My hot take of the week is that I'm going to pick it right off the bat, and I know you and Derek will talk about it later on. I'm going to pick Oklahoma case KU right out of the bat to meet in Arlington. Oh, I think this time the Big Twelve time, and when we get when we get to December, me and you and Billy are all going to meet up in Dallas or Arlington, and our teams will battle for the Big 12 championship. That's my hot take. Derek will be there, too. Derek Derek and I are planning to go to uh, Tempe for the KU-Arizona State game, and then... Meet up with Will? uh, If he's still around, yes. Um, And we'll be at the Big 12 championship game when the Kansas Jayhawks are playing in it. Uh, You know, that's an interesting... (laughs) I I don't hate it. Um... It's a long I'll, time away. I'll say this. It's kind of my hot take, kind of early prediction. I'm going to ride the Oklahoma State wave here a little bit here, too. Um, so they released the schedule this week, and Utah opens up Big 12 play at Oklahoma State. And Utah, there's a lot of hype, a lot of excitement about that Utah team, and rightfully so. I think Utah is going to be very good. Uh, Cam Rising's a stud. There's a lot of good stuff going on with that Utah program. But I think they're in for a rude awakening. I think they're in for a rude wake-up call. I'm going to be the very first to say this as this show goes out on February 2nd, 2024. Oklahoma State is going to beat Utah in Utah's Big 12 opener and give them a rude awakening to the Big 12 conference. That's, uh, that is that is my way, way, way too early uh, prediction for that game, Tom. Can it ever be too early for Big 12 football? Are you not, like, when that schedule came out, um, you know, me and friend of the show, Billy Locke, already discussed, like, all right, so we'll go, we'll meet up in Tulsa for Thanksgiving, and then we'll fly out. And I think I, think I looked at that game, and they want to put that game on a Friday, the 29th. Oklahoma State finishes the season in – Boulder, um, 
And Jones, are you going to make your reappearance in Waco this season for Oklahoma State at Baylor? Are you going to redeem yourself? Well, there, there's no redemption to, to, to speak of. Like, uh, I, I I own Waco. Um, <laughs> I have been back at Waco since then, uh, a couple times actually. Um, but yeah, I, I'll I'll be down for that. I, I'm excited for what's ahead. And you look at these these schedules that that are out, and that kind of leads us into our next discussion. There, there's three teams in particular that got away with easier schedules than others. One is Kansas. Uh, here's some numbers for you. Kansas has the average, their average Big 12 opponent uh, as a 10.4 uh, rating uh, among, you know, their, their easiest score. Average. Are you, are you going? Are you going from our Pete Mundo brothers in Heartland? Yes, a ten point two road opponent, and a non conference strength scheduled thirteenth. That's just to kind of put that in context. Very easy. Kansas State second, Texas Tech third among easy schedules, and and we'll we'll go in this more in depth with with Derek here in just a bit as well. But Tom, I, I look at that Kansas schedule. And the big question on everybody's minds is, okay, two things. How do they operate playing away from Memorial Stadium? And two, how much do they get out of J.D. Daniels, you know, out of, out of you know, Jalen Daniels here? And for me, Tom, I'm not worried about how Kansas looks outside of Memorial Stadium because, to be honest, they didn't have much of a home field advantage to begin with over the last year. Yeah, historically, it's not like they've been, and even you know, some sold tough Tom. Even when that place is sold out, it's not like it's been this just raucous environment that's just, you know, been so earth shattering that opponents fear. Um, so I don't think that's a big deal, actually, for them to play away from Memorial Stadium. And as far as, you know, Jalen Daniels goes, we can't realistically expect him to be healthy the whole season. But he might. We saw what they did when, you know, even having to go to a third string in, in Ballard last year, the, the son of the Colts GM. They found ways to win, so I, I, I think that the the adversity, the weird year that's kind of ahead for this Kansas team, not having a home, like they're, they're going to play through it. This is a this is a huge opportunity. I, I, I like how this schedule shakes out for Kansas here. I think I think the only thing about them playing at Arrowhead or even Sporting KC, I think I think you know I, I'm going to take a little different route. I think. I would rather see KU in Sporting KC Stadium than I would have them in Arrowhead. Yeah, it only seats twenty thousand. One idea I had. I think it'd be a lot of fun though, and what? you get how how close you get to sit to the field. W- one idea I had. It's kind of a logistical nightmare, but you could get plenty of seats, and you'd stay in the state of Kansas, not be very far. What if they would have played at Kansas Speedway? I mean, yeah. Like, how do you? You would. It would obviously be in the infield. You would have to on the infield grass. You'd and, have to move the seats further in. Like you, they would have to. You could put some it, on the stand on on the track itself. Yeah, you'd have to put some risers up, and then obviously, middle of October couldn't happen. 
Right, like you would have Technical, to. Take, well, yeah, no, yeah, that that weekend have to take crazy. a weekend or two off in October for the race to actually happen. So yeah, I mean the logistics would have been tough, but I would have loved to seen Kansas football at a NASCAR track. Yeah, and and you know what? I mean, there would have been no issue about the parking. You know, and I know you and Derek will talk about it too. Just about the tailgating potential for KU fans, right, and and you know the times I've been to to KU and Lawrence, you know I've had some good experiences in that parking lot. I've drank several beers in that parking lot. Oh yeah, um, and namely with with your boy from uh, the main news channel, we drank beers with. Oh yeah, our, our friend of the show, John Holt. Yeah, yeah, great guy. And we, I mean, that was a you know had a, only good times. Uh, in Lawrence, so I, texted, I, I think I texted I'm, I'm John more... this week, and he's very happy about Arrowhead. Not because it's closer to where he lives, but he's like, "Yeah, tailgating's going to be easy." Oh well, and it'll be a lot of fun too, as long as they don't charge like twelve dollars a car. That's bullshit, right? Um, I ha- I hate that portion of it, but um, what what I the only concern that I have for KU not playing in Lawrence. And I think this this really happened, too, in 2020, and I think KU faces it again just a wee bit, especially that KU is now getting a little bit better at football and has, a, a you know, a product on the field that's actually worth giving a fuck about on a Saturday afternoon. Um, the economy, that's going to hurt Lawrence. That is going to hurt the local bars and the restaurants and the hotels there. Uh, it literally takes away the whole entire season from the city of Lawrence and the, you know, economic impact that, that people coming in to the city of Lawrence will have. So I feel for them there, uh, because that's, that's going to hurt a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, it will. Um, but there was nothing they could do about it. You know, it's, yeah, no, I I get it. Yeah, I get it. But that kind of, that part does suck. The last thing that I would have about this that they I wish they could have capitalized on, this would have been the perfect year to have KU Mizzou at Arrowhead. So that starts next year. So next year they're going to bring back the rivalry, but it's going to be a home-and-home home series. This would have been the perfect prequel year to have it at Arrowhead. Yeah, um, I want to see that at Arrowhead at some point again, but I, I understand like why you would want that to be home and home to maximize on ticket sales, especially like season tickets and stuff like that. How many, how many, many more fans do you think they could sell out Arrowhead for KU Mizzou, especially how good Mizzou Absolutely. was this year? Yeah, that, that would sell out easily. Yes. Oh, that would have been incredible. That would have been great. Um. Also on the uh, the Big Twelve schedule uh, front, what uh, what kind of intrigues you, Tom? What 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 uh, what stands out of of these teams and who they're playing? I mean, I, I got to say it's kind of odd that you know we're going to see some non conference games of conference teams like Arizona is going to play K State and you know, Baylor is going to play Utah, but with the way that conference realignment happened just so quickly and overnight these teams kind of didn't have a choice. Like they, they had to make do with what they had here. Uh, I, I, I don't hate it because of the circumstance. Yeah, no, I mean, there's, there's there. And I think they'll work out the kinks as we go on. 
Um, but I, I think there were some missed opportunities. I think for one, I think they could have, you know, if they wanted to, and I don't know, it's not the last week of the season, but they could have really, they could have put the Holy war on the last week of the season on rivalry week. Yeah. That was a missed opportunity. I don't, I mean, I don't know. I don't know what conference room they sit down in and, and make that decision. And I, I think when you, when you look at it, and I think this is one of two options for me concerning Oklahoma State. They put Oklahoma State, Utah in Stillwater at the beginning of, you know, really at the beginning of the season, um, Big 12 opener, when really I think that game would have, if you wanted to look at, okay, Utah at in Stillwater, if you weren't going to put the Holy War as the last as, as rivalry week, why wouldn't you put Utah and Stillwater as the last game when you're kind of considering those two teams as maybe, you know, two teams that look to, you know, be potentially going to Arlington, not oh, to yeah. take away from Dion and in Colorado, but I just don't think they're there yet. Well, and, and then like of your locked rivalries, um, the only one that's on rivalry week is Arizona, Arizona State. That's it. And Arizona State has what? The as as our friends from Heartland and Pete Mundo said, Arizona State has the toughest schedule. I think them and Cincinnati will be competing for the bottom of the shitter bowl. Right. Like, yeah, and and you know what? I know you know Arizona, no Jeb Fish anymore. I think they're a little. I think. I think Arizona, and I was excited. Well, I was half excited, half scared shitless for a Jeb Fish-led Arizona team to come into the Big 12 as well. Now that they're leaving, does it not feel like Cincinnati all over again a little bit? Well, here's where it's different, is that those players rallied to stay there, and they didn't have hardly any players transfer out. So That's true. New coaching staff, but the players said, let's run it back one more time. And, you know, Arizona should still be a good team with that said. Uh, you do have K-State, Iowa State on rivalry week, but that's not a protected rivalry anymore. Um, so, but yeah, it was odd on that sense. One more Big 12 football note, then we'll move on to the basketball side of things. Uh, Dion has come out and said that multiple schools – were interested uh, in him this past offseason, but he I would was, imagine um, coming off a four win season certainly made a lot of headlines, but didn't necessarily go the way they wanted. Um, Tom, like Dion, always going to find a way to get in the news one way or the other. You know, I, I'm not surprised it's being talked about, but as you and I've said before, this was never a long term play for Dion. This is a stepping stone job to get to the blue blood uh, and, you know, right now he's in a unique circumstance where both his sons are playing for him. Travis Hunter is there, his daughter's in school there playing like volleyball or something like, you know, Dion, I think he's staying in Colorado until his kids move on. He's not going to leave while his kids are there, but once his kids move on, then he'll take that next step. But I'm not surprised him bring this up that uh that there's interest elsewhere and you know kind of keep himself in the in the story in the news of sorts i mean that's such a dion move right 
Um, you know, a, he's done nothing to me to like necessarily like dislike him or anything. He just seems like that. Uh, he seems like that girl that that always posts like thirst tries to post thirst traps online. Yes. and is not really is really not that hot. Right. Um, maybe creates an OnlyFans for like a week, if, and then takes that money and good, goes out for her twenty third birthday. If they get good, Tom, they're going to be annoying as hell. Oh, I mean, yeah, they're gonna. It's going to be unbearable, honestly. And and you know, if you know, as a as an Oklahoma State fan, if Oklahoma State can get in the position to go back to Arlington for a second straight year, and they go in the bowler and shit the bed like they almost did against BYU in the in the final game, um. Oh man, that'll create it. And I don't hate Dion. He's just a, he's just, I mean, he's doing what he can. He's a, if, if I was a company, I would love to have Dion in the marketing. He's, he's one of the, he's the best. He is the best. I don't, I don't, maybe you can call him PR for a school. He is, he's the best ever. He's generated, he is like the college football Taylor Swift. He's generated more money for the University of Colorado. Than they've had since Colorado, you know, made weed recreational, right? Uh, you know, they've it, generated it, as much money for that university as weed is generated for the state of Colorado. They win eight games. The media is going to be sucking their cocks so bad. Oh, it's going to be stupid. I mean, they. I mean, they beat TCU and they were full on blowjob immediately. I think they are quickly, and, and I think Dion's going to have a decent year this year. I think that they can be bowl eligible at the very least. Uh, yeah. They do that like they are going to be so obnoxious and so unbearable. They're going to be easy to hate, and, and you're going to want to hate them. I, I think, you know, take Oklahoma State, for example, you might be more annoyed and hate them more than, than OU and the SEC because they're right there in your face and you're dealing with them. I mean, they just, it's so, it's like, it gets so annoying and it's like, uh, you know, and, and don't get me wrong. I like Dion. I, I mean, I like what he brings to the table and like, and some of it's kind of like the attitude type thing of like, you know, we expect to win. We want to win. We might be shitty now. What do you, what do you say last season? This is the worst we're ever going to be. Yeah. So just get ready. I kind of respect that. Now you have to back it up. And I, I hope Oklahoma State kicks their fucking head in. That'd be beautiful. I, I might even fight Deion Sanders on the field if OSU goes and drops 56 on him. Not going to – probably not 56, but I'm not really going to fight him either. He'd probably whoop my ass. But I'd be talking my shit uh, if I was sitting behind the Colorado bench. I, you know, they'd be like, all right, Deion, you know, fucking go back to Dallas or go back to Atlanta. You know, turn your 21 in, you piece of shit. Like – yeah, I would, because yeah, I, I would be tanked in, at the last game of the season in Colorado for sure. But as, as long as he didn't try to Russell Westbrook me, but he is kind of a Russell, Russell Westbrook. I mean, he talks yeah. his shit, but we haven't really seen him get mad when he hasn't backed it up. He's, that's what I respect about Dion, too. People have come after him. I mean, multiple news outlets, media outlets have said, oh, well, you talked all this big game and, you know, you didn't you didn't even make a bowl and he's like, well, this is the worst we're ever going to be. So if he can back that up and make a bowl game, 
you know, more respect to him. But if they are good, Jones, and they have had the transfers, if they are good, they could get annoying very, 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 very quickly. Yeah, let's talk um, basketball now. Um, big week ahead, big weekend in particular with uh, this Kansas-Houston game coming up on Saturday. The number four Houston Cougars making their first trip to Lawrence as a member of the Big 12, taking on number eight KU. And and I've been sitting here and, and I've been telling y'all that I think Houston's in for a humbling of some sorts in the Big 12 that, you know, they got some work to do. They got to learn how we do things around here. But so far, to their credit, they've answered the call. They're atop the league standings at six and two at the moment. And, you know, we saw the other night that game that they had uh, against Texas. They went into Austin. They won in overtime, an exciting game. I mean, I know Texas is a little down this year, but that's still a big deal. Still a big accomplishment for them. Now you go into Lawrence, and I, I, I'm just hoping and praying. Like, Kansas, make a statement. Deliver something here, because – uh, if not, you're going to make me look real bad. Cause I've been, I've been preaching that like, Hey, Houston went through an easy non-conference, you know, time for them to really get exposed. I think they're a good team, but eventually they got to take their lumps. And I, I could very well see if you remember a couple of years ago, Tom, when, when Kansas won the national championship, Baylor was like a top five team, went into Lawrence and Kansas smacked them by, you know, gosh, what was it? 25 points or something like that at home. Uh, uh, call me crazy, but with McCuller coming back from injury, Dickinson is healthy. I I, I think we might see a, a statement type game from Kansas where they, they go out and just blow the doors off Houston here. Give them a real warm welcome to the Big 12 type game here. I think they really could. And, you know, it's at the fog, um, you know, KU, granted, was against OSU the other night. Played very well. Um, Without McCuller. Right. And and Houston, you know, we talked about them for a while, and, and I even said they could potentially lose, you know, more than they – they could have finished off January worse. You know, they could have went, what, when we talked about a couple of weeks ago, I said they could really go two and four. I think they went five and one maybe. And, um, I mean, this is a, this is definitely a showdown, but you know, they do go in the fog. We can, we can be right at the same time when saying Houston had it easy, we can still be right about that. Um, you know, and, and yeah, sure. They had it easy, but this is the, is this the first real, I mean, I don't know if I wouldn't want to call it the first real challenge. But if they do go into Lawrence and win this, this is a this is a statement for both teams. Like this isn't just uh yeah, okay, you can win and make a statement. If Houston wins, this is an equal or even greater statement. I would even say greater statement, uh, if if you go into KU and beat them uh at at, at the fog. I know I've talked much shit on Houston, but I'll I'll say this. I'll I'll, I'll say this, Tom. If Houston does go into Lawrence and beats KU straight up, I I'll say I'll say Houston wins the Big Twelve outright. If you can do that, if you can pull this off, then you're the team to beat. Then everyone's chasing you. Like that that 
That's what I'm looking at here. I, I I can I feel like I can say those two things that I think Kansas wins and they win confidently, but I think it's kind of like I'm so confident that Kansas wins that if Houston finds a way to pull this off, that they're they're going to be the team to beat. What is your KU winning confidently? What's your point total? Like, what's your margin of victory? I think Kansas wins by at least ten. What's the line? There are no line yet. It won't be out till Friday afternoon. What do you think it is? I think it's KU by five and a half. Um, I could see that. Uh, let's let's check the old maybe maybe six and a half. Check the old ESPN Power Index. Um, ooh. ESPN BPI gives Houston a seventy-five percent wow. chance to win this game. That's pretty high. That's extremely high. What time is that game at? Three o'clock on Saturday afternoon. Shit. And you know, no NFL shit going on. I mean, you gonna watch this game? Or you gonna watch the Pro Bowl? I guess Pro Bowl might be on a Sunday. Pro Bowl. Are you going to watch? I mean, I don't want to go on a tangent. Are you going to watch Pro Bowl? I'm not. No, I'm not interested. I don't care. All right. I will watch the, uh, the I'll watch the Bush Clash on Sunday night from the LA. Was Cops. That, is that NASCAR? Yeah, yeah. The NASCAR <laughs> exhibition from the LA Coliseum. I'll watch that on Sunday, but I'm not watching the Pro Bowl. <laughs> so you're, you're telling me you think KU's got to buy. 10 and you're going to take KU 10 and a half. Yeah. If I'm hoping Tom that the line has Houston favored because I'll, I'll put down a nice money line bet on Kansas. Prize picks. Yeah. Prize picks doesn't take bets. Uh, not a bet. Oh, I guess that's true. So how do you, Oh, you placing it through Bo. Yeah. Or Bovada or something. Yeah. I got, I got my resources. 10 and a half. Huh? I see. I'm going to, I would, I would take if the line is KU by seven and a half, I think I'd take Houston. I think it's going to be a close game. I think KU can pull it off maybe in like the final two minutes to kind of extend and cover. But I, I think, I think I like what I've seen from Houston. I doubted them. Uh, I liked what I've seen from them. I don't think KU is going to come in and whoop that ass, even in the fog. Um, I, I think they can. I think KU can win by seven, though. The I think Baylor I think it's Iowa right State, in there. The Baylor Iowa State game um, that feels like to me, Tom, like the second place or, or really like the third place game in the Big Twelve. Iowa State number twelve in the country. Baylor at eighteen. Iowa State sixteen and four. Baylor fifteen and five. Game is in Waco on Saturday night. Uh, no disrespect to Texas Tech, and Texas Tech's a very good team in their own right, and, and they've certainly surpassed expectations. But I think the winner of Iowa State Baylor is going to be in position to to be that number three team in the Big Twelve. Yeah, you know, I could, I you know, I could see that, and you know, at the beginning of the season, I, I, well, even in the like a month ago, I could have said it could have been OU. Uh, you know, it could have been, you know, we've seen BYU play very well. Um, we've seen tech kind of step up and if, you know, at the, you know, before the new year, I could have said maybe K-State could have even been there, but it's kind of clear. It's, yeah, K- well, it gets clearer K- by the day, but 
K-State and Texas kind of fell off a little bit here. I mean, yeah, they definitely did. I and I think, you know, you have Iowa State at Baylor. Um, and there's obviously no line for that either. They need to come up with – it's 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 pretty much Friday. Like, they got to – we need the lines here. And, I, and, you know, it sucks in Texas that you can't bet. By God, our, our – uh, you know, our savior who are in Dallas be that Mark Cuban needs to hurry up with this um, casino. I'm betting it's given Baylor about a 57% chance to win. I like Baylor here too. I think this game is even closer than what KU could be. Um, I could see Baylor coming out and, and setting the tone that that's a night game in Waco. Um, that doesn't have this. the. This freshman for Baylor, Kobe Walter, he's nice. Like uh, he's a difference. Yeah, player. he's yeah, he's he's damn good. Um, you know, and they always have they always have guard. Their Baylor is is. You want to talk about just uh, Big Twelve? You know, guard university. It's going to be Baylor, right? Yeah, um, has been for the past couple of seasons. I, I mean, Baylor can still make noise. There's a, I mean, Iowa State is going to be a tournament team that can make still noise. You know, it's that's that's the great thing about the Big Twelve. Like, okay, yeah, you know what, you might not win the Big Twelve. Well, you know what, sure, you want to win the Big Twelve, but all things considered, if you are the last Big Twelve team out of the tournament, you're probably going to be in at least the Elite Eight. Yeah, if not higher than that, if you're uh, the last team out. This week's slate uh, on Saturday afternoon: K State plays Oklahoma State. K State should should win that game in in Stillwater. Um, Tom's still sad here that Mike Boyden is still employed. Um, TCU a little t- bit. I, he's a great person, but not a great coach. TCU in Texas. That game in Fort Worth uh, should be a hostile. That'll be a fun one. Texas's last trip to Fort Worth for a while, anyway, um, should be a, a very hostile crowd. Texas in a must-win scenario, basically trying to keep their season, their tournament hopes alive. Um, coming off, you know, a loss to Houston earlier in the week here, tough spot for TCU because because Texas has a ton to play for in this game. Yeah, you know they do, but I I think TCU has kind of been a we've had a couple of teams that have been kind of shocking. BYU and OU are two of them. I think TCU's the third team that's been a little shocking. Um yeah. TCU's still, you know, they're up and down. They're this has been a roller coaster, I think, for TCU I, so far. I think this could be a game where Mac Max A. Smith takes over, just goes off for UT. Shout out ORU. Uh Oklahoma plays UCF. We have found out that UCF is a tough place to play, which none of us expected, but it's happened this year, so not a given for the Sooners there. Cincinnati and Texas Tech, that game in Lubbock, uh, good test for Texas Tech to keep on seeing if they can keep this train going because they've been playing some good basketball as of late, 16-4. McCaslin's done a good job with that crew. BYU playing at West Virginia. BYU should win on paper, but West Virginia – They've held their own on their home court so far this year, so should be. That's a, a long trip. It is. Should be a fun Saturday ahead. Then you turn around. We mentioned Kansas playing Houston. 
Right after that, you go to Manhattan for Big Monday at K-State. Um, and then Tuesday, Houston gets Oklahoma State. Texas gets Iowa State. BYU and Oklahoma Tech and Baylor on Tuesday uh, are the slate of games ahead. So going to be a very fun few BYU-Oklahoma will be fun. Yeah. And, and just in college basketball as a whole this Saturday, I mean – we mentioned some of the Big 12 games we got here, but you just look across the board. Um, you know, Tennessee plays Kentucky. That's a top 10 matchup. Duke plays North Carolina. That's a top seven matchup. Um, you just And then the games we've already had this week, I think John Fanta, who uh, works for Fox, he said this might be the greatest week of college basketball in a regular season a week in the history of the sport. That's how good the games are this week, Tom. I mean, that's saying something. And, you know, you don't even have to have football this week to compete. Right. If so, you, I mean, if this, is, this is giving attention. us a gift. If you haven't been paying attention, this week's a good week to start paying attention. Um, Because I'm going to be locked in on Saturday. Duke, North Carolina, Tennessee, Kentucky, KU Houston. It's a triple header, all three of those games back to back to back on ESPN this Saturday, by the way. Um, so yeah, Espen, I'll be watching this weekend. More yeah, this, is, this is like sweet, this is like sweet 16 in early Feb. Yeah. More to come. Derek Haglund gonna join us. Tom Fullery as well, coming up at the end of the show. Stick around for that. Don't go anywhere. <laughs> Join us now on the program this week from the season ticket, KU The Hill. It is Derek Haglin who joins us the program right now as we're talking Chiefs and Super Bowl. We'll also talk a little uh, Kansas uh, basketball and football as well with Derek joining us right now. Derek, uh, how we feeling? I'm feeling good, um, especially because, you know, I know I can properly quote Tombstone, unlike some people on this podcast right now. Okay. Let me give it a we second did- chance. We, we, I have we, a second chance. Are you a man of second chances? I do believe in second chances. I'm I'm just saying, like, that was the worst timing for that tweet to come out because I was on Twitter. And 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 you're talking to, like, a, a Tombstone enthusiast. Like, I love that movie. I will watch that movie every time that it's on. Um, I've actually made people watch that movie with me if they've said they've never seen it. Okay, let me try again. Here we go. You tell them I'm coming and hell's coming with me. There we go. That's what I'm talking about. And 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 the pause there was very Kurt Russell-esque. Um, I felt like you were holding a shotgun at that moment. I really did. So you, you'd give that an A grade? That, that yeah, I would, that's drastically improved. The timing, the pause, getting the quote right, right, you know, which, which is extremely, um, extremely important. Tombstone, one of the best Westerns of all time. Agreed. And, and, and phenomenal cast. Like, let's talk about a young Val Kilmer. Um, you know, Kurt Russell was a bit younger at that time. Um, you know, Bill Bill Paxton. Um, and, you know, at the time, uh, too, you know, some of the guys who were the bad guys in that movie were, were, were extremely, extremely young as well. Yeah. Yeah. That, they just don't make good Westerns anymore either. They don't, they don't make them like that. That's for sure. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, I'm your Huckleberry. Um, 
you know, my hypocrisy only goes so far. You know, I, I think I can quote word for word every line that um, Val Kilmer has in that movie. I, Doc Holliday is like one of my favorite characters. I loosely yeah. try to base my life off of him. The I'm your Huckleberry line, that just, that hits home every yeah. time. Right, right. I'm your Huckleberry. That's my. That's just my game. We started a game for blood, one we never quite got to finish. And then when Johnny Ringo says, I was just fooling about, and they pay in the Val Kilmer, I wasn't. Uh, Will Kane now has taken that I'm your Huckleberry as his life slogan. You know, I, I, I support it. Um, pro pro anything uh, tombstone here. Maybe I should add that to uh, to my Twitter profile. I'm your, I'll be your Huckleberry, uh, Derek. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I appreciate that. Um, so, you know, maybe that's why you're not wearing a bustle. Um, <laughs> maybe so. Maybe, yeah. maybe that's it. Uh, yeah. Derek, let's start out with those uh, Chiefs uh, ahead of the Super Bowl, take on the uh, San Francisco 49ers. Was it too long ago, literally Christmas, Christmas <laughs> Day, that the Chiefs, I think you would agree, looked awful against the Raiders. That was yeah. a bad day, and that wasn't yeah. too long ago. What that, that was, that was, that was, I would say, rock bottom on their season. Um, is what losing changed? that game. How did this team turn it around and, and kick it in gear in the last few weeks? You know, the, the biggest thing it's funny is because I remember that game post game, and I remember Patrick Mahomes saying, you know, if we just clean up these things, I believe that we can beat anyone. And 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 at that time, I felt like I, it was hard to believe with the offensive mistakes that they made, um, that they were consistently making, you know, struggling to get in and out of the huddle. Um, burning timeouts because they couldn't get lined up right or they couldn't get the checks with me, um, you know, especially on the offensive end. You know, we talk about a guy in Patrick Mahomes who still threw for, you know, 4,300 yards and 27 touchdowns. That's a pretty good season, you know, by, by far the the lowest of, of his career. But, you know, they weren't getting Isaiah Pacheco involved in the run game enough. They weren't really, honestly, I would say that the, the biggest keys that they've done is – you know, Matt Nagy said when the playoffs started, you know, going into the week against the Buffalo Bills in the divisional round, he said, he goes, you know, we had to do a lot of self-reflection and I, and I had to do self-reflection on myself. You know, how can I be better? What can I do that, that makes us better? You know, how can I put these guys in better positions to succeed? How can I shorten the play call? How can I shorten um, the list and, and everything? And it, it started with, you know, Andy Reid is known for, okay, I'm going to have four or five plays for this guy. And then I'm going to have four or five plays for, you know, Kadarius Tony, Justin Watson um, and, and Justin Ross and, and so on and so forth. And they just decided, you know, and sky Moore, and they just decided, you know what, like, fuck that. Here's what we need to do. We need to shorten the play calls. We need to be thorough and, and, and get the ball to these three guys and, and Travis Kelsey, Patrick Mahomes, Isaiah Pacheco, Rasheed Rice. Start with that and sprinkle in guys every now and again. You know, in in all honesty, for this offense to 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 succeed, they really only need fifty to seventy five yards from other guys that aren't named Pacheco or Kelsey or Rice for them to be able to have success. And with the shortening of the personnel formations and the shortening of the playbook and doing things that they do well more consistently. 
you saw in in that Bengals game where you know they hit the little stutter step route to Rasheed Rice, which was the longest play of the year. They got Isaiah Pacheco more involved because this offensive line is very good run blocking. Jawan Taylor has some issues at times um, run blocking, but they are very good run blocking, especially guard center guard. Um, with that combination, I mean their defense has consistently been lights out. Everybody knows that it's one of the best. In, in the entire league that was on display uh, against the Ravens. But just making those changes, you haven't seen the struggles. And it was so hard with how the season went to think, man, there's no way they're going to turn it around. And then what do they do? Lo and behold, they turn it around. I am on record, and I will say this too, and I think Tyler, you'll agree, playoff pad is just completely different. And I think people need to realize that, is that, when Patrick Mahomes gets to the playoffs, he turns it up a notch. It's completely different. And, you know, Travis Kelsey said, he goes, you know, it's hard to get up for every single game, every single week, you know, in this stretch when you beat a team like the Denver Broncos eight years in a row, or you've, you know, you know, whopped, you know, teams like the Raiders and so on and so forth. When you've had the level of success that they have, even as a professional athlete, it's hard to get up for every single game. Now, it's not hard to get up for playoffs because it's win or go home. But, you know, the, the, they, they've they acknowledged that there's some vulnerability there. But not only that, they've just – they've been more crisp and they've got to be clean. And and that's led to a lot of their success, I would say, especially on the offensive end. They, they've, they've realized they're not going to score 30 points a game. I think that was the biggest takeaway from the Raiders game was – we're going to stop trying to be what we want this group to be and where we want to try to get, and we're just going to be who we are. And I've said, this run reminds me a lot of the 2018 Patriots where Patriots just finally said, you know, Hey, we found our identity. We're going to run the ball. We got three good backs. We'll get the ball to Edelman and Gronk, sprinkle that in play through our defense. Once they found that identity, they ran it all the way to the Super Bowl. I think that's what the chiefs are doing. I think one big thing that's been, it's not being talked about enough, Derek, too, is just the the complementary football element of it. They yeah. are not trying to score 40 points and play a no-huddle offense, you know, throughout the entire game. What we are seeing is that, you know, you went into this past week basically with two different game plans. The first yes. half, they attacked, they attacked, they attacked. In the second half, they ran the football, wear out clock, and, you know, kept their defense off the field dominated the type of possession here didn't force anything didn't take any shock plays because Andy knew his defense wasn't going to give up a touchdown for the most part right I, I love like just how they are in sync like they're sometimes the best defense is the best offense right and, and they are saying all right using the offensive game plan to say how can we help the defense here right Right. Well, and I think it's one of those things, too, in terms of they can win a game so many different ways. If they need to try, like you said, Tyler, attack in the first half on offense, the first two drives go right down the field, get touchdowns. I do think in the second half, if if Patrick needed to let it rip at times to try to make a play, if Baltimore had cut it close, he would have. But he was willing to take the sack or just, or, you know, take the check down or, you know, run if he had to, to keep the clock going to keep Baltimore's offense off the field so that they didn't have more opportunities to try to come back in 
you know, and make a game out of it. That's that's where I think you're actually 100% spot on where it was. Hey, we're going to go out and we're going to attack and we're going to be all gas, no breaks um, the, the, the first half. You know, you want to put Kyle Hamilton on, on our best player in Travis Kelsey? Well, guess what? He's going to beat him. You know, Kyle Hamilton's a good player, but Travis Kelsey's a Hall of Famer. And even at 34, Travis Kelsey still taught him some stuff um, on the on the young player. And then, you know, to just lean on the run game more um, and and everything else and just play through the defense on in the second half, they actually they absolutely did that. And it was masterful. Spags was in his bag. I said last week when we talked that I think if he can frustrate Lamar and the Chiefs don't turn the ball over and can get Lamar into some turnovers and rattle him early, he was going to be he was going to be super upset and he was going to struggle a lot. And he did. Lamar was frustrated. You could tell, especially even after that first touchdown, because outside of that, you know, that play where Nick Bolton ended up on Zay Flowers, that was a busted play when when Leo Chanel could have had had a sack. You know, that was really about it for the Ravens until the fourth quarter. And then Zay Flowers got a taunting penalty and then fumbled at the half yard line. Right. So let me ask you this. When you look ahead to the, the Super Bowl here in a couple of weeks, if the Niners are going to win this game, how does it happen? Where do they have potential to attack a weakness of the Chiefs and find a way to win this football game? Christian McCaffrey. I think Christian McCaffrey is going to be the biggest X factor. I like the way that the Chiefs secondary and the athletes that they have match up with their tight ends and with their wide receivers. You know, the way that that the secondary passes things off, whether it's zone, whether it's man. And, you know, yeah, Trip McDuffie was an all-pro, but, you know, for some reason, Legereus Sneed doesn't get the love that he deserves. That man is one of the best in the game, too. I mean, he is locked down number one wide receiver after number one wide receiver throughout the entire season. That man has been vital, you know, made the biggest play of the game, stopping a fumble for the Ravens, and who knows how that goes. But Christian McCaffrey is the one guy where it's very hard to see where there's a chess piece there potentially. I think Willie Gay could have an impact in terms of, you know, if they want to dump it down to McCaffrey and do do things like that or whether they want to, you know, bring Justin Reed up into the box and have Mike Edwards and, and Shamari Connor um, back there. But McCaffrey is the one who can just hurt you in so many different ways out of the backfield that, you know, if, if, if he has a good day, I think the Niners win. Mm, that's interesting. Uh, you know, we, we've seen this, this Niners team. I feel like Derek and, and, not saying this just being a Chiefs fan or whatever, just being real with y'all. With y'all. Keep like, it real. The last two weeks, I've not been that impressed with San Francisco. I thought that they felt like fluky wins. Credit where credit's due, coming yeah. back the way they did against Detroit. No doubt. Yeah. But they very well easily could have lost both those games the last two weeks. Probably should have lost both those games yeah. the last two weeks. Like I, I feel like Kansas City is coming in playing so much better than San Francisco is right now. Yeah, I absolutely think that the Chiefs are playing their best ball right now. My 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 thing is, is that, you know, I love Dan Campbell. I know you like Dan Campbell. I, I think he, he tried to be a riverboat gambler too much. You know, I didn't disagree the first time going forward on fourth down, but when you have the opportunity to tie the game at 27 after you just blew a lead and they they'd rattled off 20 in a row, you need to you need to take the points, in my opinion. That was one of those where you don't go with analytics, you take the points because then it's a 27-27 game and, and you see where it's where it goes. I think one of the biggest keys that's going to come down to this is 
you know, the Niners are a very good defense in terms of names where they've got Fred Warner. They've got Joey Bosa, or I mean, Nick Bosa, who, who won defensive player of the year last year. They've got Eric, Ar- Eric Armstead, you know, they've got Trevarius Ward. They've got some guys. But my thing is, is that Steve Wilkes always plays to his defense's identity and doesn't change a lot of things up. And they play zone 80% of the time. If you play zone against Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey, you're asking to have your ass whipped. Um, in, in my opinion. And, you know, yes, Brock Purdy has come back. I like Brock Purdy a lot, but I mean, at the end of the day, we all know that that Lions secondary is God awful. Um, and I feel like Aaron Glenn decided to, you know, well, we're not getting there with five. We're going to bring six and just try to get there. And that just completely backfired. And I think that's when when the Lions started to lose control of the game because their offensive game plan in the first half was absolute masterclass. Um, and the 49ers made some adjustments. I think that's where the biggest difference between Steve Spagnola and Steve Wilkes is, is that if you're throwing something at Spags, you know, in the first half, he's going to make an adjustment after that series. I think San Francisco goes in at the half and then tries to make adjustments. Whereas, you know, I think the best coaches make adjustments in game. And that's why Bill Belichick and, and some was, was so successful was he could make an adjustment in game. And I think that's where Steve Spagnola is great. And, you know, if he gets another um, Super Bowl, we got to start talking about how he might be one of the greatest defensive minds ever. Cause that guy will have coordinated four defensive Super Bowl champions, the 07 Patriots, he shut them down. And then, you know, if he wins three with the chiefs, right. One more question on the Chiefs, then uh, we'll shift gears, talk uh, about the Hawks here. Um, a lot of uh, retirement rumblings, uh, you know, the likes of Andy or Travis. Uh, do you see any of these guys stepping away uh, after after this Super Bowl? No, I, I I don't. I mean, the thing is, with with I'll address Andy first, and then we'll go with 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 Travis. You know, Andy's a grinder. You know, as much and as funny as he is with. Um, the, the state farm commercials and the other stuff that, that Patrick has, has, has gotten and brought him in and, and everything. It's, it's one of those things where, yeah, you know, he's 65, but this is all these guys know how to do, you know, Andy said it, Andy said it when the first day of training camp this year, he goes, you know uh, you know, yeah, I went on vacation and I went up into the mountains and, you know, some people read novels. I look at football plays and, you know, he doesn't seem like he's going to slow down anytime soon. I understand it's because the age factor. Obviously, he's he's far more closer to the end of his head coaching career than he is the the beginning. But it would just not make sense to walk away when you're in the middle of this run and you've got the generational quarterback and you've got a team that, you know, if they just if you repeat, it would be so hard to walk away from from all of that. Um Success. It's not like Andy's holding them back either. Like Andy's is no, good. no. And I mean, a credit to him in terms of, 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 of the turnaround, because, you know, there's been a lot of issues that they had offensively and he kept saying, you know, Hey, I need to clean it up. We need to do this. This is on me. And they've done that now that they're, they're, you know, one went away from, from being back-to-back Super Bowl champions for the first time the NFL could have a repeat champion in, in 20 years. So that would be, you know, monumental. Um, as far as Travis, you know, 
I understand. I think there were times this year where he looked exhausted. He looked fatigued, but I think it's because he kind of started behind the eight ball when he, when he hyperextended his knee, you know, two days before, before the opening game. Um, and he was just battling uphill after that. I think the biggest thing that helped him and a lot of the guys, including Patrick Mahomes, but I think the thing that was most beneficial for, um, Travis Kelsey was not playing week 18 because he has looked fresh. He has looked like the guy that, that is going to be a first ballot hall of famer and is the greatest tight end ever. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I agree. Uh, let's shift gears. Talk us Kansas hoops. Uh, KU Houston, huge game coming up on Saturday. Huge. Teams. Uh, you know, both there, of course, close to the top of the big 12 standings, Houston there by themselves right now with, the three conference losses that KU has suffered. How concerned are you about this uh, Kansas team or, or are you even concerned at all right now? I mean, I think there's always room to, you know, have, you know, whether you fluctuate and go, go up and down or not. But, you know, I, I, I think on Saturday I was more concerned, but after realizing and going back and looking at things, KU is, is one of the only teams in the country that has three losses on their record to where they, that, that their losses were to teams that were going into the game, averaged four and a half threes a game, and then made 12 or more. That hasn't happened to any other team in the entire country. It's happened three times to KU. And so that's where I'm like, you know, those sometimes it's just their night, you know, you hope you don't run into something like that in the NCAA tournament, but you know, where you get into the part where King against Iowa state bill self said after the game and post game, he said, look, he goes, our, 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 our game plan was to make him, you know, shoot the open shot and try to make it. And if he didn't, if he, if, if he missed great, but if he made him, we could live with that. That was the game plan. And the guy made four threes. Um, you know, he admitted an acknowledgeable part of the game plan was, yeah, yeah, he. It's a good point. This this game against Houston. Uh, what what do you think of the uh, the matchup on Saturday here? I think this is a huge game because you can't afford to lose a at home, but you can't afford to go down two games to Houston with having a return trip down there to their um to their their arena. You know, later on in in March, if you want to have any realistic and legitimate shot at winning the Big Twelve. Um, in the regular season and, and having a possibility at a, at a two seed or a one seed, uh, you, you have to win this game. And I think it's extremely imperative for them. Uh, they need to get off to a good start. They need to be locked in on defense. I think some of the areas where KU has, has struggled the most at times during the season is when they've had careless turnovers. Um, they need to obviously get some bench production. You know, Oklahoma State's probably the worst team in the big 12. So that was good that Kevin McCuller sat with the bone bruise. Um, they expect him to play Saturday against Houston. But, um, you know, you're hoping that with – with McCullough sitting uh, the other night against Oklahoma state that now going forward, guys like El Marco Jackson, Nick Timberlake can make shots so that you can stretch that bench, which is thin anyway, and just get some production out of it. You know, a lot of people, Derek, are going to make a big deal about this Kansas team, not winning these games on the road. And, you know, the, the losses now to UCF, West Virginia, Iowa state and all that. But yeah, my, my counterpoint would be, yeah, you're, you're not wrong. It does suck to lose on the road. Sucks to lose, period. But when it comes March, you don't play road games. You, you play neutral site games. Like, 
maybe and they'll play well on the road, but I don't see that being a thing that that holds them back when it matters. No, and and I think you know I think they've they've found their optimal starting lineup with the insertion of, of the Aussie with Johnny Furphy. Um, yeah. You know that guy is is a player, and you know he's got to get better on defense. He's got to get stronger. You know he has some lapses, but he's a freshman. Um, but you know, and you can you can live with that because he's so dynamic on offense. You know he's a guy who's gonna who's gonna knock down uh, a uh, you know a missed shot uh, or an open shot, and he's gonna give you great energy. That's what Bill Self wants. Like people don't understand this. No matter how high of a recruit you are in in the big when you come in to play with bill self as a freshman if you defend and give great energy and run to the rim bill self is going to be extremely pleased with you absolutely absolutely um the big 12 standings we mentioned houston on top but so many teams right there in contention if you had to guess right now Derek, how does the top of the big 12 play out when it's all said and done I, I think Houston probably wins. I think Kansas probably finishes second or third. I think Baylor's going to be in it um, for sure. Um, you know, who knows? Iowa State might be able to jump up there. Iowa State's really good defensively. I mean, you're talking about a team that's ranked sixth nationally in almost every defensive category. You know, there's no there's no um, harm in losing to a, to a team that's that, that good defensively. Like, T.J. is a great defensive mind. Yeah, he is. He, he certainly is. And, you know, I know that us, you know, us Kansas fans, like we, we all love the, the days of the streak, you know, winning 14 straight, straight and all that. But, Derek, with, with the strength of this Big 12 and the way that it's going, like that, that, that just won't happen again. Like, you know, you, yeah. your goal is to win the Big 12, obviously. But, I mean, even if you don't, that doesn't stop your chances of, pursuing the ultimate goal the ultimate prize is still ahead and everything I, i'm not giving uh, don't take me take this the wrong way i'm not giving up on the big 12 title here but like of just the expectation of doing it every year again th- those days are over yeah and and if you think this year's tough wait till arizona comes into the conference next year <laughs> you know tommy lloyd can coach man um they're they're really good they're a great program too um so yeah i mean they're 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 over but you know you just have to be okay with how things um are you know would you would you settle for a few less big 12 regular season tournament champ conference championships um and and a few more national titles i would you know 2016 2017 you know competition is going to make you better like right. this is only going to make you tougher for march right right and you know, 2020, you know, there's a lot of things that 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 could have happened that that could have been better. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. Um, the football side of things, uh, I know that there's some some people upset about KU not playing uh not me in Lawrence and in Kansas, you know, playing in the state of Kansas for four of their home games this year. But Derek, I mean, I I, I hear these people bitching, but the, the truth of the matter is like they really had no choice. The stadium renovation project is behind. And then yeah. you also factor in, like, where were you going to go? Like, you know, you can't play football games at Kansas Speedway. I mean, you can't. Or Haskell. You could. You're not going to play at, you know, K-State or something here. I mean, this was this is what the hand they were dealt. And that's the – they came up with the best solution they, they, they had to work with here. 
Yeah, no, they did. And I mean, in, in all seriousness, I don't care about anybody else's travel. Um, this is all for me. Then that's what matters the most in this situation that I have a 16 minute drive now to Kansas games, as opposed to an hour drive to Lawrence. So I can live with that. That's fine. I'll let the politicians figure out the money and everything else um, from that regard. But the fact that I have a 16 minute drive, that is just oh, so much better. And that's what matters the most in this situation, I would say. Um, and it's yeah. just one man's opinion. Um, but I, I think it's awesome. You know, you're talking about a guy who um, you're talking about a team that could legitimately contend next year for the big 12 championship game. And in, in Arlington, I think they can get there. Um, they're, they're, they've got so much talent coming back, but, but not only that, you know, the, the, the rumors out there were for, if they were going to host a game in Lawrence, every game that they would host in Lawrence next year was going to put renovation production behind by at least a week. You can't afford to do that when you're already behind. Right. So, you know, it makes sense to have the non-con at Sporting Park. You can get 20,000 or so in there and that'll be great. Um, but you know, I like what the, what the what the what the university is going to do in terms of bussing people to and from games, especially students and the games will be free, but I mean, you know, think about how many how many more fans you can get at games, especially, you know, when Colorado and Iowa State come to come to Kansas City. Um, those are big time games. Their fans travel well. There are going to be people that want to come and see Coach Prime lose right and, and you know a, a program that's on on the up and up you talk about branding and, and and all that like this is a huge marketing opportunity to take over kansas city and you know to be in the yeah. same stadium as the chiefs get patrick mahomes and travis kelsey and andy out to your games and all that like yeah to, for for anybody is, especially especially this, missouri if they were going to do this, this is the year to do it, I think. Absolutely, especially for Missouri fans that are trying to talk shit and run their mouth and 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 make a make a joke out of it. They get to play in an NFL stadium and have the ability to have more fans there at every game. Like who's who how is that in any way shape or form a bad thing? Like yeah, it stinks that the stadium is getting renovated, but it needs to be renovated. And so they have the ability now to play at, at Arrowhead, which, you know, in, in a matter of weeks could be the, the two-time defending Super Bowl champions. We all know the tailgate environment will be so much better and in, in the Arrowhead parking lot as opposed to, um, you know, what it is on, in Lawrence. Because yeah, we actually get so, to park. Right, exactly. And so that'll be that'll, – that's one of the things that I'm looking forward to the most. Yeah. Last question. We'll end on this, uh, Derek. Uh, when you look ahead next year to the the Big Twelve football race, uh, we saw the schedules get released this past week. Um, you know, Arizona obviously had a shocker with Jed Fish leaving to go to Washington, but still retained their players for the most part here. From what we've seen of the schedule to the events that have unfolded in Arizona and all that, uh, what's kind of your your feeling towards? Uh, uh, next season. I know you said you like Kansas to get to Arlington. Who do you think uh, potentially can join them there? Well, I think had, had, had Arizona been, had, had they been able to retain Jed Fish? And that's what I don't understand. Like, I do not understand. Arizona fans are so upset that he left to go to Washington. Arizona did not make it a priority to retain him. Kansas has made it a top priority to retain Lance Leipold. K-State right. has made it a top priority to retain Chris Kleiman and so on and so forth. And so that's a mistake by you and your university. 
Um, but I would say I, I think Oklahoma State with, with Ollie Gordon and Bowman coming back, I think they'll be real, real challengers. Um, that would probably be who who my pick is. Um, again, I think if Jed if Jed Fish was at Arizona, I'm, I might lean towards um, the Wildcats. But I, I think we're looking at a, at a Kansas Oklahoma State uh, Big Twelve Championship game in Arlington. Derek, I like you. <laughs> I appreciate it, Tom. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be very interesting right from the jump that Utah Oklahoma State game in Stillwater. What a welcome to the Big yeah. Twelve for Utah. Yeah. Yeah, no, that'll be well, that'll and be, Kansas. Kansas has, and I'm not, I'm not. This ain't even talking shit. Kansas has a very favorable schedule. Hundred percent, hundred percent. They, they, they could and should be. Like by ten games in, if you have lost more than one game, it almost is a failure of a season, compared to like what you have back. In your especially with the yeah, especially with the talent that they've got coming back. They've got, you know, they're all big twelve corners and, and Kobe Bryant and, and Melo Dotson. And then, you know, they get the addition of the transfer safety from from with, with Devin Dye. Um and well, you know, and they get Javier more, Derrick to come in on the D line. One more point. We'll end on this, one more point. We'll end on this, Derek. Um the thing that I know a lot of people are talking about, hey, you know. You know, how many games is J.D. actually going to play? Can he stay healthy and all this? I look at the opposite end of things, Derek. We saw how well Bean put things together, how well Cole Ballard even played it to the third string. I trust Lance Leipold that, hey, in all reality, J.D.'s probably not going to play the full season, if we're going to be frank. Yeah. But yeah. Lance has shown that he can get the next guy ready to go to. Yeah, and that's a big testament to, to Coach Zabrowski, who's the quarterback's coach, and now – um co-offensive coordinator but you know let us not forget that isaiah marshall is waiting in the wings as well yeah yeah gatorade, so, gatorade player of the year in the state of michigan so whether it's marshall or ballard I, I i think they can be okay for a game or two if jd can't go so right right exactly very important details derek i appreciate the time as always my friend uh check him out online uh ku the hill uh, covering Kansas Jayhawks, Chiefs, and more. And uh, enjoy the uh, Super Bowl. Go Chiefs, Derek. That's right. Go Chiefs. Rock Chalk. Time for Coach Bo's Football Fix, presented by O'Connor Advisory Group. You can find O'Connor Advisory Group online, oagcast.com, o'connoradvisorygroup.com. And check out the Coach Bo Knows podcast, wherever you listen to podcasts. Coach Bo joins us right now. Bo, uh, you come at us fresh off a, a nice trip to Vegas, uh, but – in Lawrence, a, a city of uh, a little bit of controversy right now about the uh, Kansas Jayhawk football team not going to have a uh, home game there this upcoming season. They'll play two games at Sporting Park in the non-con, four Big 12 games uh, at Arrowhead. Let's start there. I got to say, I don't know what more you wanted. Like, the stadium – is not playable right now and in the renovation there was literally nowhere else they could go like I, I don't see what the people are upset about here yeah so you know it's it's been some like whispers about it for a couple weeks for a few weeks now right the, the stadium is way behind we had both they got started late and then we had all the weather that we've had for a few weeks that you couldn't send anybody construction out there for a couple weeks um so we all kind of knew this was coming and then there had been a lot of rumors the first rumor was that 
all the games are going to be played at Arrowhead Stadium. And a group of Jayhawk people, alums, and um, uh, what am I trying to say? People higher up in the in the stratosphere of um, of, of uh, boosters was not happy right. about going over to Missouri to play games. I, I think you said it best. Well, where are you going to play? There's, I mean, there's like, no other facility in Kansas except for Kansas State. But you ain't playing there, right? Sporting Park makes a lot of sense, but you can't get enough people in there. Right. And then then Kansas Speedway is kind of a logistical nightmare. A nightmare. You're not going to get enough people into the Speedway to make it like, you know, a couple of years ago, Tennessee played at Bristol. And that's a smaller track. It's a half mile, right? Yeah. That made more sense. Um, Yeah. this was the best solution that Kansas had. You know, play the Big 12 games at Arrowhead, the two non-con games. What people are bitching about in Lawrence right now is there's not going to be any tickets available for the sporting games. Right. Because season ticket holders are going to get them all. And how far up the list are you going to have to be to get tickets for those games? Right. So... If nothing else, the Williams Fund is going to get funded up a little bit extra when people are trying to throw a little extra bonus at the, hey, if I give you an extra grand, can you give me some tickets? Um, personally, I wouldn't do that, especially who they're playing those two games. Like, no, nah, just take them off. I'm not going to either of those games. Right. I'm not going to, and I'm not going to get season tickets for football this year. So I got to tell you, though, Bo, once you get past all the bitching that people are doing, um, I think, you know, for this Kansas team, you, you, you said, a couple weeks back that you think they're going to win the big 12 football title this year. Uh, as good as they're going to be what Lance Leipold is doing, you and I have bought in from the beginning with Lance Leipold, what he's done with this program, the expectations that are out there with how talented this team should be. I think this is an incredible marketing opportunity to play at Arrowhead. I mean, you're probably going to get Mahomes and Kelsey and Andy Reid to come out to a game or two at some points and just, you know, increase your marketing, reach out there, and and put that 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 stamp on the city of Kansas City. Take that from Mizzou. Like yeah. I, I think that's a big win. Yeah, I look at it that again. People just don't like the fact that it's in Missouri, but right. I think you get over that and you say, "Hey, let's let's go fill that place up." If I were Kansas, you know what I'd do? I'd get all the season ticket holders in the lower bowl, and then I do twenty dollar tickets in the in the upper bowl. Yeah. I'd say, look, 20 bucks get you in and, and and do some kind of special with them. I mean, the, the people at Arrowhead would like just filling the place up because they're going to get concession money and everything else. So why wouldn't you, if you're KU, just say, okay, all of our, they can get all our season ticket holders in the, in the lower bowl. Right. And then from there, 20 bucks gets you in the upper bowl. 20 bucks and, and go do we don't it. even charge you to park. No. And, and if you do charge them, 20 bucks. I mean, make it make it cheap. Yeah, I think it's a great opportunity. It, it is, and I think the sport, the games at Sporting Park are going to be interesting, just because you'll be close to the action, and it's going to be a little more intimate. But they're not big games either. Who are the two? Who are the two games? It's like UNLV and Lindenwood. And Lindenwood, yeah, I saw Lindenwood. I can remember the other one. UNLV. Lindenwood, um, the uh, yeah. alma mater of former Kansas coach David Beatty. Oh. 
Is that why they're on the schedule? <laughs> he ought to come back and do the coin toss or something, you know. Yeah. Did he maybe get him a payoff? Is that what he did? <laughs> we'll schedule you out there in 2024. Right. <laughs> get him a payoff. And then, yeah. We'll, uh, we'll present you with some Bill Shell, with some, uh, the David Beatty mac and cheese or whatever, uh, the, the yeah. pasta, whatever it was. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I'm intrigued. Uh, I think it's going to be cool, uh, you know, especially this first year of the new Big 12 and everything, kind of chance to stand out a bit and grow the brand and should be an exciting season. And yeah, that- I, know there's, I know there's some people that, like, point to the Iowa State game and say, well, Iowa State fans love to ca- travel to Kansas City, and there might be more Iowa State fans than Kansas fans there. That very well might be the case, but that's still tickets sold going back to the university. That's still a win. If you're Kansas, you do everything you can to get your fans there. Yeah. If you got to make a deal, uh, a deal to say, hey, four Arrowhead games are a hundred bucks. If you buy them through us, you get all four for a hundred bucks or whatever you got to do. In the last games against Colorado, yeah, which is going to be Coach Prime in year two. If that could work out, where if they're better, which they, I think they will be, and that's like Thanksgiving weekend. Because, I mean, if you're Kansas, if they're as good as you and I think they are, they could be playing for the conference title. Right. So, yeah, I, there's a lot of people who are upset about it. But, look, it's the best option you got right now. Right. And then next season, you're going to move into it. You're going to move into a new state. Right. So, yeah, because they were hoping that next season they would get the full bowl. So right. you're good. You just go play those four games there at Arrowhead, two games at Sporting. You'll be fine. Yeah, I think so. Uh, Bo, let's uh, let's start with uh, just looking back at the weekend that was, and kind of look ahead to the Super Bowl. Then we'll get into some coaching changes after that. Um, let's begin with the NFC side, the the game that certainly drew more uh, attention of sorts, better ratings, but more talk throughout the week of what unfolded there. Um, San Francisco, big win. Uh, you know, to come back from the way that they did, the way they performed, you know, they got down early, but credit to Kyle Shanahan for really putting that thing together. Brock Purdy, he made some big plays, uh, showed off the legs, the arm. I mean, he did it all. And I mean, the guy only had two less rushing yards than Lamar Jackson did on Sunday. So the guy was doing something right. And you look at that defense, the way they adjusted to the Niners defense, the way they adjusted to slow down Detroit in the second half. What did you make it just what all unfolded from San Francisco's point of view? We'll get to Detroit here in just a second, but what San Francisco? We, we were in Las Vegas this weekend, and we were watching the game with a shitload of 49er fans. I mean, like it was place we were at had – it was 90% 49er fans. Detroit dominates the first half. In every way you could look at, it. I mean, that, that couldn't have gone better for the Lions. And then in the second half, it was like the game they couldn't shoot straight. They couldn't tackle anybody. The run game all of a sudden shows up for the 49ers. You know, McCaffrey had an incredible second half that has not been talked about. I mean, then you had the fortuitous, most fortuitous bounce since the fuck since the uh, since the helmet catch. Uh, David Tyreek, a 51-yard bomb that was five yards underthrown hits the defender in the face, bounces, and then an incredible catch. I mean, look, the catch was incredible. Falling away, bounces into his hands. That was great. Um, 
balls five yards into the field. I mean, just ridiculous. There should have been an interception. Should have been a fair catch with an interception. Um, but the Lions couldn't get out of their own their own way. They couldn't tackle all of a sudden. And then their linebacking play in the second half was horrible. Yes. Both those two plays that Purdy made on the ground were problems with Alex Anzalone. I mean, there's a rate he's not playing in New Orleans and playing in, in, in Detroit now because of shit like that. He those were he had a spot. He had the spot. That was his job. Brock Purdy can't get away. And he got away on a play that the two of them, there was the 21-yard scramble on the short field, and I think he had a 25-yard scramble, or maybe it was an 18-yard scramble was the other one that got the big yeah. first down, the, the, the one of the possessions as well. But those two plays, it was just a defensive breakdown on both of them by the same player. And it was like, what are you guys doing? I mean, it really and truly, the Lions shot themselves in the foot. And Dan Campbell twice didn't take field goals when it just kicked the field goal. We've right. talked about this a lot in the last couple of months. Of I get it when coaches say, I believe in my guys. Well, part of being a head coach in the NFL is sometimes telling your guys we're doing the right thing. And I look, there is no been no bigger advocate for Dan Campbell. If you listen to my podcast, you'll know than I am. But I thought he got totally outcoached in the second half of that game in every way, shape, and form. They decided they didn't want to run the football anymore. The play call was atrocious, especially in the fourth quarter. And then not kicking a field goal with seven minutes to play, down three, 27-24. So your opponent has come all the way back. You had a 17-point lead at one point. You're now down three with seven minutes to go, and you got two timeouts and a two-minute warning. You kick the field goal. but It wasn't like it was a long field goal. They were at the 30-yard line. Kick the field goal and say, look, even if the 49ers go down and score, we're getting the ball back. You're going to have a possession. They're, they have not had a seven-minute possession the entire game. And if the 49ers tried to slow it down, it would have been disastrous. They were not going to run a seven-yard a seven a seven-minute possession. It would have been disastrous because you would have built, you would have just pushed the box and got them the fourth down. I went back and looked at this, and I literally looked at all the possessions. The longest scoring possession for the 49ers in the second half was a field goal possession at 709. Mm-hmm. And that was the one that went from the third into the fourth quarter. But no other possession they had was more than four and a half minutes. So why don't you just kick the field goal and play seven minutes of football? We're getting the ball back. We're going to get the ball back one way or the other. And you're gonna and you can't be two scores down. You can be three down. You can be seven down. But you can't be ten down. And you could not be ten down, especially in today's NFL, where the onside kick is no longer doable. Right. I mean, look, it's a 4% thing. Like, there's there's no bet you would make that you would say, we got a 4% chance you'd bet. Right. No. And I love Dan Campbell. 
I, I wanted to – my podcast all season, before the season started, we said, which is going to be Coach Bo's team? Look, it was almost the Lions. I ended up not taking anybody, but it was going to be the Lions. And because I like how his get down is, but he lost that game, playing and simple. He didn't give his guys a chance to win it by tying the game when he had the opportunity. I don't disagree with anything you're saying, but what did the Niners do right to take advantage of the Lions there? What they did right was was first running the ball. I mean, they really ran the football uh, in the second half that set up some of the couple of the bigger plays. Um, defensively, they just went and got after the, the Lions stopped running the ball, and so they were able to get more guys in front of staff. I'm not, almost a staff. Um, Goff. In front of in front of um, Jared Goff. Yeah, in front of Jared Goff. Um, they're getting their hands up and making it harder for him to throw the ball. He didn't play well, especially in the second half. Um, that was the biggest difference, is that they forced the Lions to, to be something they're not. The Lions averaged 30 points a game. So them scoring 31 points did not surprise me whatsoever. I bet I was there. I bet it. I bet the Lions plus the over. The Lions plus seven and a half and the over. One them both. Great. The big thing for me was the 49ers defensively got better and offensively they were able to get short fields. There was a bad punt that put the ball at midfield. There was the fumble. Those led to two touchdowns. It right. wasn't like the 49ers offense drove 70 yards. Right. It was they drove 50, 24. You know, those were two of the scores. If you give your opponent a, a short field, they're going to take advantage of it. This is the playoffs. These are all really great teams. You're in a conference championship game, and you're not playing a shit opponent. You're not playing the Vikings without their quarterback. You're not playing – you know, one of these NFC South teams, you're you're playing the 49ers who had the best record in the league all season. You can't give them opportunities. And they did it with the fumble, with the interception. You just, you can't turn the ball, the bad punt. You can't do it. And the Lions did it. And then on top of it, when they had a chance, had a chance to, they had a chance to say, with seven minutes to go, we got a chance. We can forgive everything that's happened for the last 25 minutes of the second half here. Get this field goal, and we're playing even money. We got a chance. They got a chance. Who are you betting on? We'll bet on ourselves in that situation. And that's where I thought the difference was. Um, you know, Again, 49ers, just, in the end, the 49ers took advantage of the opportunities in front of them. And they and what they did do right, and I will give Shanahan a lot of credit for. It. They were behind 17 at the half. They get the ball first. And they didn't come out and say, let's dink and dunk and throw this stomach all over the field. Let's run the football. Let's be calm. We'll play a little defense. Because if you remember, the first possession was only a field goal. So it was now a 14-point game. And the Lions, again, had a chance to make it a 17 or a 40, uh, or a 17 or a 21-point game again. Right. And a fumble causes an issue. The 49ers took advantage of the situation, and the Lions couldn't. 
when it was all said and done. The Lions did so well early. They dominated. They were physical. And the second half forgot how to be physical. For some reason. Yeah. Uh, now, let's ask you about, about our boy Brock Purdy here. Uh, okay. Second straight I'm NFC Brock. championship game, first Super Bowl appearance uh, for yep. him. I think you and I have, have subscribed to the theme for a long time that Kyle Shanahan's favorite quarterback is his next quarterback. I agree. Um, you know, when he had Jimmy G, he couldn't wait to get Trey Lance. And when he had Trey Lance, he couldn't wait for Brock Purdy and on and on and on. Now with what Purdy has done, with what he's accomplished, have the Niners found their long-term answer at quarterback? They think they have. Yeah. And, I, and look, I, here's what I'm going to say. I've crushed Brock Purdy all season long. I think he's a game manager. I still think he's a game manager. But he's a game manager on the one team that being a game manager is okay for. Because of everything else around him. And people I've been watching ESPN and everybody else all week, Brock Purdy, was the, he was not the difference in this game. The two scramble plays, 30 quarterbacks can make that play. Look, the field was wide open. My fat ass could have run both of those. I could. Every, you could have run them. You, may not have, you and I may not have got 20 and 25 yards, but we would have got first downs both times. Yeah, yeah. But, that was a defensive breakdown on both of them. Big Ben gets about 15 yards there. Yeah. The, the you know, the 51-yard the, the, the play was five yards under thrown. And, and what I do see, and I saw Ryan Clark say this and a couple others say this on ESPN, they'll pull a couple of things and they'll say, well, look at this throw and look at this throw. You can literally do that for all 32 starting quarterbacks in the league. You can pull two or three plays a game where you go, wow, look at the arm strength. He's got an average arm. He's an average runner. You know what he is? He's got the red ass. He wants it. And I respect that. He wants to win. He hears the game manager stuff, but he is. That's who he is. But he doesn't make a lot of mistakes. And when he does, he gets bailed out a lot of times because sometimes a thing, a fucking football bounces off the defender's face mask. Unbelievable. And then the concentration of the receiver to catch that ball is incredible. Uh, but you're going to see that from time. It also helps you get the best running back in the league. Get the right. best offensive line in the league. Uh, like, we saw the difference in this offense with Debo Samuel this week. Absolutely. I lo I like Brock. I'm a fan of Brock and a defender of him. But I I'll even admit, Bo, that Brock is still closer to Mac Jones than he is Patrick Mahomes. Absolutely. Look, he's a he's now the he is now the franchise quarterback. He was going to be the franchise. Well, I'll say it this way: If the 49ers win the Super Bowl. He is not going to be considered one of the best quarterbacks to ever win a Super Bowl. He'll be considered in the bottom 10. He'll be in the Jeff Hostetler, above Jeff Hostetler and Doug Williams and people like that. But he's not these other players. He's not the franchise guys. He's not a Tom Brady, a Peyton Manning, a, you know. He's not even what Alex Smith was a few years ago. Mm. You know, I and I'm a guy who crushed Alex Smith. That was Captain Checkdown for me. I, I still call him Captain Checkdown. Um, maybe Brock Purdy becomes better than that. And I will liken it to one. The thing that we keep hearing 
Brock Purdy was a seventh rounder, Mr. Irrelevant. Hey, Tom Brady was a sixth round guy. And, you know, he was the guy that was getting crushed. He's not Bledsoe when he got in because he was Drew Bledsoe's replacement. And they went to the Super Bowl kind of despite him the first time. If you think that Brock Purdy is going to turn into Tom Brady, you don't know football. Yeah. Plain. I mean, you just, I won't even argue with you because you don't understand the game. Right. But is he good enough to be, be on a successful 49er team? Yes. Because well, they are different than everybody else and how they do it. And that's the, that's the thing. Good enough for this team. Like, okay, I got everything going and I can pay eight, Brock Purdy $800,000. Now think about it. Yeah. But two or three years from now, then you have to retool the entire roster of paying Brock 50 plus million dollars. All of a sudden, that's a different conversation. Do you remember what happened with Russell Wilson? Yes. Russell Wilson won the Super Bowl his second year in the league. Right. Because they had the Legion of Boom. They had Marshawn Lynch. They had a couple other great pieces. And then when they had to pay the quarterback, what happened to the team? It all fell apart. This is going to happen here. So if you're the 49ers, you got to figure out a way to either replace him and keep everything else moving, or you're going to get real creative. It's going to hurt their defense in the long run. Their defense played outstanding in the second half. Outstanding in the second half. Um, I'm still willing to bet, Bo, because of what we've seen from Shanahan, that fast forward two or three years from now, he'll he'll move on from Brock, too, no matter how well he's playing or not, and he'll go get another cheap quarterback again. I went on record on my podcast two weeks ago and said, Brock Purdy will not be the starting quarterback of the 49ers in 2026. He'll be a starter somewhere, but not San Francisco. Yeah, but not with the 49 And I don't think he'll be a starter. I, I, I don't know where he'll be a starter at. But it'll be a lower-level team that thinks, well, we'll get that Brock Purdy. You're not going to get that Brock Purdy. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's – if Mike Shanahan – or, yeah, if Kyle Shanahan's the coach, Mike. If Kyle Shanahan's the coach, he's going to move on to somebody else. Or if that organization thinks that Brock Purdy is Joe Montana, then – they're going to make a huge mistake because the cap is going to keep them from keeping the rest of the team whole. Now, right. the other issue they're going to have is Trent Williams going to be gone sooner than later, too. Yeah. And that's going to be huge when that guy is gone. Yeah, he's the greatest left tackle in the history of the game. Maybe. I mean, he's in the, he is definitely in the discussion. Um, I have said that I think he's the best offensive lineman in the NFL in this century. Yeah. I mean, I just look at it. He's... He is oh, when they got him to buy in with how they run the ball in that offense, right? Then everybody else had to, too, right? And that's what they've done. The other thing to the 49ers' credit and to Kyle Shanahan's credit, all these receivers can block, yeah, all of them. every damn one of them. And Debo Samuel is the best blocking wide receiver in the goddamn league. Yeah, there is zero doubt in my mind. There is nobody at the wide receiver position who can block his balls. That guy can. It's like watching Heinz Ward again. Man, he is. I'll take Debo Samuel even if I don't have to throw him the football. Yeah, the way he blocks in the run game, he can play for Coach Bo. That's what I'm saying. It's like watching. It's like watching the second coming of Heinz Ward. Yeah, and and he's more athletic. I mean, he's. I mean, he's bigger. Heinz Ward's the greatest blocking wide receiver I've ever seen, and and Debo's getting close. Amazing that Heinz was a, was a quarterback in college. Yeah. Yeah. No kidding. Yeah. Let's uh, talk about the other game, uh, yeah. the Chiefs Ravens game here. I'll start with Kansas City, then we'll 
eviscerate Baltimore and their problems here. Um, Mahomes and company, I thought that they they basically took this game with two different game plans. They attacked, 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 and eviscerated Baltimore in that first half. And then the second half, they ran the football, played ball control football, and I know they didn't even score in the second half, but they did what they needed to do to win that game. Defense played well throughout the game. Um, incredible game plan. I mean, Andy came in, Spagnolo came in, um, and they were ready for this one. Like, credit where credit's due. Like, this this Chiefs team, they understood the assignment ahead. And and, and we hear all the time, Bo, we heard all season, like, ah, oh, the Chiefs, they got all their issues, and, you know, this receiving core isn't very good. And, uh, all this, but they'll figure out come playoff time. They'll find a way. And sure enough, just when we thought it wasn't going to happen, they find a way once again. How, how did the Chiefs pull this off? Coming out with the two touchdowns quickly. I mean, it was you know 7-0, to 7-7, it's 14-7. When you had the fumble, the Ravens got the fumble. They turned the ball over. And even then, the Chiefs, Go out on downs. All right. You know, I was like, take points. Why don't you take points? You get a two score lead. Um, but they their defense was game, first off. Their their defense, Chiefs defense was the best unit of any unit in either of these two games. Yes. Any offense, any defense, the best one was the Chiefs defense this week. Um, they played incredible. The Chiefs' offense, once they got the two touchdowns, the Baltimore defense figured shit out. Yeah. And it was like, okay, Baltimore defense, like, okay, we're back in this. And their Baltimore's defense was maybe the second best unit all weekend. It's just they had the two quick ones. After that, what Baltimore needed was Lamar to be Lamar. And we were watching the game. And again, we watched both games at the same bar and and it's place we were at. And the second play of the game, Lamar scrambles off to the right. And when he goes, he's two yards down the field and starts to slide. The defender was five more yards down the field. Lamar Jackson, we've all seen this season and before, runs right at him and tries to make a make a move and see if he can get a first down. It was second and nine. Now it's going to be third and seven because of the slide. I think he started his slide early. Uh, he could have started three more yards down the field. It would have been a lot easier. But what he told me, I looked at my wife who was sitting next to me and some guys that were next to our table. And I went, uh-oh. And they said, what? And I said, they've already told Lamar to don't lose the game. They told Lamar they didn't want Lamar to be Lamar. We've seen through the season one thing he did differently was when the run game started for him, he was looking down the field to throw more. Yeah. That game and that particular play cued me into the same thing happened with Josh Allen a week before. The first possession, Allen got loose on one, and he slid her. And it's been drilled in their heads. Don't make mistakes because if we do, the Chiefs will get us. And I think that's what was drilled into his head over and over and over again. You couldn't let Lamar be Lamar. And they didn't run the ball at all offensively. Was it Gus Edwards had three carries? Three carries, yeah. Three carries. 
Um, oh, I need to look this up and make sure this is correct. But I saw that I heard this. Uh, let me let me see sure I'm right here. Okay, yeah. So it was not right. Um, but Zay Flowers has the five receptions, 115 yards. After that, nobody got going. It was like, oh, I mean, Odell Beckham had like I think it was five snaps. They they targeted him three times. Mark Andrews shouldn't have even played that game. No, and, and Andrews they they he had the two receptions. He was targeted twice, but I feel like there was a drop there there too. I'm looking at the stats here now. Um, but yeah, he didn't play well. They didn't get the ball to Isaiah Likely, who yeah. has been their guy for the second half of the season in all the playoffs. Right. It was almost like I really think that Todd Monken had his playbook and he had two different books. He had the passing book and the run book. And he left the run book in the car. Yeah. And it was like, okay, you can run the football, guys. 16 carries in the game, eight of them were Lamar. And eight of them, he runs 54 yards, which is, you'd think that's a lot, but that's not for Lamar. Eight carries for Lamar should be 75, 80 yards, the way he runs. But three carries for Edwards, he had a two to Flowers, and Justice Hill had three. I, I think this was more on the offensive play calling. I think Todd Munkin looked like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers offensive coordinator, the Todd Munkin, than the one we've seen this year. Um, I don't like to play calling at all. I didn't like how they did everything at all. And even with all that, they still had a chance in the fourth quarter. Yeah. And they wouldn't let Lamar be Lamar. Run the ball. Not a single read option play. Mm -hmm. I mean, it wasn't like the Chiefs defense was a run-stopping defense all season. They did they teams could run the ball with the Chiefs all season long. They were one of the worst in the league against the run. Why the Ravens didn't come out and run the ball? The Ravens ran the ball 16 times and Lamar had 37 attempts. Reverse those two numbers, the Ravens win by two touchdowns. And of these 16 attempts, wasn't it only like six were by running backs? Um, yes. Of the 16 attempts, six were by backs, two by the receiver, eight by Lamar. Yeah. So I'll give it that Lamar had eight attempts because he's going to have that because he's Lamar. But you figure if that number is 16, Lamar has 17. They're not down 20 points at any time in this game. It never was a three-score game. Right. To me, it's just unbelievable. Those two numbers weren't reversed. Yeah. Or at least bring them together. 25 and 20. You do that, the Ravens win the game. I think the difference in this game, like you compared the two teams, the Chiefs knew who they were, right? They knew our receivers aren't that great. We got to be able to run the football. We got to be able to adjust. We got to manage the clock, do that thing. The Ravens, they were afraid of their strengths, uh, of the the risk that it would take and avoid making mistakes so much that they didn't play their strengths here. One team knew who they were and one team didn't. You know, the thing that we talked about the Chiefs and we said down the, down the stretch, we said if the Chiefs were going to go to the Super Bowl, win the Super Bowl, 
What were they going to have to do better in the playoffs? Run the ball. Mahomes had 39 attempts. Pacheco had 24 carries. That's a lot. What did we say? Give him the ball. Now, he only averaged 2.8 yards a carry. And I'm okay with that. Because because it means they didn't give up on it. That's exactly right. It means that 24 times they ran the football, which shortens the fucking game. The reason, and I get people who come on my podcast will tell me about it. They'll be like, well, you're wrong. It's not about running the football. Folks, every game is about running the football. If you run the football, you control the clock, especially in the second half of games. What did the Chiefs do in the second half of the game? They ran the football. You don't even have to run it successfully. You just got to run the damn thing because you need to shorten the game, especially when you have a lead. You have a lead, run the ball. If you're down one score or even two scores, the 49ers were down 17, didn't give up on the run, and they got back in the game. Run the football. The Chiefs ran the football. The Ravens didn't. And you could argue that the Chiefs had the worst of the two defenses when it comes to the run, and the Ravens had the better run game going in. And the Ravens blew it because they wouldn't run the football. The Chiefs said, we're going to get ahead. Just like you said earlier, we're going to get ahead, and when we do, we're going to run the damn football. And they did just that. You know, you, yeah. have, you shorten the game. Right. If I get your possessions and keep the ball myself and limit your possessions, I can beat you. You look That's ahead you for this Chiefs game, especially team. Especially if you're the underdog. Right. You look ahead for this Chiefs team and, and what they've done here. You know, we mentioned this was the worst Chiefs team we've seen in, in quite some time. I mean, probably the Mahomes era, to be honest. Yeah. And, yeah, you know, they 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 smacked the Dolphins in the first round. That game was not close. No. Second round, they go into Buffalo and they take Josh Allen's lunch money and they pull that one off on the road when they were an underdog this week. Underdog again, and you know they they came in and took care of business, did what they needed to do, and now you head in the Super Bowl. I like them personally over San Francisco. Not just come, uh, not being biased or anything. I, I like this matchup for Kansas City, maybe even better than I did the last two games. To be honest, um, you win this one. I mean, oh my goodness, you're talking about three Super Bowls for this group. Um, you know, Mahomes doing it in this path and this stretch here. I mean, this is this is an incredible run. This is as good as it gets if if Mahomes and Andy and Kelsey can finish the job right here. This this would be something special. Yeah, I look at it that okay, if we're gonna look forward to this game, I saw that the line it opened up it was when I saw it Sunday night, it was the Fort Arrowsburg one point favorite. That's a two point favorite. Um the wrong team's the favorite. Yep. The Chiefs are going to win the game. And they're going to win the game, not because they can run the ball or anything. They're going to win the game because Super Bowls come down to who has the who plays the best in the second half of the game. The 49ers have to be ahead. You're going to say, well, yeah, they came back last week. They came back the week before. But in the end, if you got 10 minutes to go in the game, which quarterback do you want? Everyone knows. No I'll take Patrick Mahomes. This game is going to be a close game the whole way, and I fully anticipate the Chiefs winning. 
I the Chiefs will win this game. Um, and even think about this, Bo, like the path to get here. I mean, you got to find a way to win. No, no, no doubt about it. But there's something felt fluky about what the Niners pulled off the last two weeks. You look at the Chiefs' three wins, and they were clearly the better team and dominated all three weeks. Okay, so I, I think that well, I will not say the Chiefs dominated the last two. Also, they won it, and they were better in both games. Okay, fair. I think that the quarterback play in both those games, the offensive play calling, put a real put handcuffs on the those two great quarterbacks. The offensive play calling in the Bills and Ravens games really handcuffed Lamar Jackson and Josh Allen. Yeah, that makes both those games more competitive. Now, on the 49ers side, they got totally outplayed by the Packers. Yep. In every way, shape, and form. Well, floor out coach Shanahan. Yes, in every way, shape, and form. They just didn't have a horses when they said none at the end. The Lions outplayed the 49ers. They, they bombed them in the first half. I mean, right. it wasn't even fucking close in the first half. And then in the second half, all Dan Campbell has to do is kick a field goal. Right. He kicks a field goal, and all of a sudden, this is a close game that could go either way. And you can't say, well, they're the dominant team. Right. The rate the 49ers took advantage of two teams they were better than. They were 10-point favorites in both games. They were 12-point right. favorites against the Packers. They were nine and a half against um against the against the Lions. The Chiefs right. have been the underdog in both games, and they outplayed the opponent, and they forced those those coaches to get what I heard someone call the lemon booty. That's exactly what happened. They got the lemon booty both games. They were too scared to make mistakes. The Chiefs defense has been the dominant the dominant team in this playoff, in this whole playoff. And now that defense is playing great. They just limited the Ravens and the Bills offenses in both these two playoff games. And now they're going to go to an indoor an indoor stadium where I do expect to be more 49er fans than Chiefs fans there because yeah. it's closer. They're going to be all over the damn place. But I expect that Mahomes is going to quiet that crowd. Plus, Super Bowl crowds aren't great crowds. I mean, a lot of corporate people, a lot of, you know, there's not a lot of fans in there. There's not as many rabid fans. Right. So I don't think the crowd's going to have any kind of – And that's unfortunate that really championship events are turning into that. Even the Final Four last year I went to was starting to turn into that. Yeah, and so you're not going to have a rabid, you know, rabid crowd for this. What you're going to instead see is who can play better. And the way the the 49ers can win this game, if they run the ball extremely well, which which their plan is going to be to run the ball. They're going to have to run the ball against that Chiefs defense. That they're going to have to make the Chiefs put eight in the box and beat them. And then if they can do that, they'll try to get Debo and some stuff and, and soften that shit up. But that's what's going to have to happen. But then also, that will shorten the game. But they're also going to have to capitalize on the Chiefs' offense making mistakes. And while the Chiefs' offense hasn't played great, haven't made mistakes. Haven't made mistakes. The one mistake this past week the turnover was kind of fluky. Right. I mean, it was just a fluke that happens. And then he got it right back. So, right. I mean, it was 
you know, that's the thing that Andy Reid's offense has done. It's not been the juggernaut, but they don't make a lot of mistakes. They don't turn the ball over. In the end, I will take the team that I think is the better, the better quarterback, and I can trust that Mahomes and Kelsey can get something done in a big-time situation. Yeah. So I, I'm, unless there is something drastically different, I'm taking the Chiefs to win this. Uh, let's talk about some of these coaching changes now. Seattle's got their guide. Uh, Dan Quinn was the odds-on favorite the entire time, but they waited patiently on Ben Johnson and Mike McDonald to finish up their seasons. Met with Mike McDonald, uh, met with Ben Johnson first, and uh, sounds like they didn't offer him the job, and then he pushed his narrative that, oh, he wanted to come back to Detroit. Sure. Then they go to Mike McDonald. They meet with him twice in a 24-hour stretch. They decide to hire him. Mike McDonald, incredible job with the Ravens' defense the last couple of years. Before that, working with uh, Jim Harbaugh at Michigan. Started his career as a GA under Mark Rick at Georgia. 36 years old. Youngest coach in the league. They're calling him the Sean McVay of defense. <laughs> oh, uh, I got to say, I'm surprised by the hire. I like the hire by Seattle here. But another thing, too. John Schneider now taking over football operations for Pete Carroll. The assumption was like, hey, you would kind of ride the ship that you would go with a Pete Carroll-like coach, like Dan Quinn, like Pete Carroll 2.0. This move really puts John Schneider's stamp on this organization that he's taking over and they're looking to change things. You're going with McDonald as opposed to keeping yeah. up the norms, a guy like Dan Quinn. Yeah, I think that that's exactly what this is. It was if you... And I'm a Dan Quinn guy. I thought Dan Quinn's look, Dan Quinn's going to be a head coach again sometime in this league. He's going to do a fine job. It might even be with the commanders. We'll talk about that job in a second. Yeah. And Dan Quinn's a great coach. And, you know, he could have taken a couple jobs last year. He decided to stay in Dallas. Uh, but this seems to me like it was they wanted a defensive guy. I think that's why they didn't take Ben Johnson. And I think they said, okay, it's Quinn is a continuation of Carroll. I think this is what you're saying, kind of a a harder reset to say, we're going to move on from that. And we're going to move on from that and go ahead and go into this new, uh, the new system and with Mike McDonald and a younger guy. And they've got pieces. I mean, this is not a bad team. Well, on my podcast, I ranked all the openings. And I said, this was the number one job that if Coach Bo was available and had his choice, that's the gig. That's the gig I would take. They got the guy they wanted, and I think it is about moving on from Pete Carroll and the past than it is about um, anything else. I think it's a fine, fine choice. I think it's nothing is bad at all, and um, I think they're going to be in a good spot. I do too. Now you got to figure out what to do with Gino. Uh, his contract is not guaranteed. For yeah, the next two one more year. It's we got one more year, right? He's got two more years, but they have a team option for this upcoming year. Okay. They can get out of that contract completely if they want. I think they're going to keep him because the flexibility they can have. I think they keep because it's also not an expensive contract when you think of a no. quarterback. And it's I mean, you're opting in for two years is all. Yeah. And he's not a, a bad quarterback. He's not look. Geno Smith's not Patrick Mahomes. He's not in that upper echelon. Those top four or five guys. But he's not getting paid like it, so it's okay. Yeah, but he's also yeah he's also not getting paid that. 
he's getting paid like a third tier quarterback, which is essentially what he is. He essentially does the top third tier guy right. or the less, the, the lowest second tier guy. But he's a good, he'd be a good influence on a young quarterback. Yeah. And there's a lot of young quarterbacks in this draft. I wouldn't be a bit surprised. They end up with one of them quarterbacks. Wouldn't be surprised if it's a local kid, too. Penix? And and say, hey, sit him a year. Whether that's Michael Penix, whether that's uh, a Jamie Daniels, whether that's uh, – um, it won't be Drake Man. It's too Bonex. What's that? Bonex. A Bo Nix. Yeah, I, he's one that I wouldn't touch personally, but we'll talk about that in a couple of weeks, I think. Um, the other one, a J.J. McCarthy is another guy. Yeah. Yeah, sit him behind – a Gino, Gino's going to teach us a quarterback to be solid. Right. He's not flashy. He doesn't rely on athleticism. And he's, he's, he's a, a good really team player, too. Solid. He's a great yeah, he's a, And he's a solid, solid quarterback. He understands how to study. He understands how to run an offense, how to read defenses. He's everything you want. He's just not an upper-tier quarterback because of his skill set. And that's okay. Right. It's going to be a fantastic spot. That's why I like that job was because of the quarterback flexibility. Right. I can go into battle with Geno for one season. Right. I might get to the playoffs. Right. And then I can have a shot. Geno's not going to lose games for me. Right. You know, he's not going to take over and just all of a sudden win me again. But he, right. he can from time to time. In well, a playoff, he probably isn't. And that's why he but, won the job from Drew Locke, the difference between yeah. the two. Like, Drew Locke's got talent, but he will lose you games. Do you remember the game earlier this year that Drew Locke played and played fantastic in? In the Eagles game, yeah. Eagles. And and did you see Geno Smith on the sideline and after the game? Yes. He was the one going up to Drew Locke and going, yeah, yeah. And he's working with Drew Locke throughout the game. He's on the iPad with him or the right. That's while Geno was hurt. Yeah. Yeah, while Geno was hurt. And he's helping him. That's that shows you everything you need to know about Geno Smith. Yes. And so I think that Mike McDonald went in that thing going, okay, I want him. I don't want him as the franchise quarterback, but I want him for 2020. Right. It's a great spot. It's a great coaching hire. That's a good spot for him. That's a team that's close, just needs a little change of scenery a little bit. I think, too, like you look at the division, you got Shanahan and McVay, two of the best young offensive minds in football. This is kind of a good counter to that. Like, okay, we're not going to fight fire with fire. We're going to do our own thing and try to make this work. Yeah, we're going to go. We're going to go defense line. And don't be surprised if they go get some defensive guys. They've also got a lot of salary cap space because they don't pay the quarterback a lot of money. Right. And, you know, you can make some changes and you can do some things. Yeah, that's. Uh, they don't have a ton of cap space right now, but they'll probably move on from guys like Jamal Adams, maybe Tyler yeah. Lockett, Quandre Diggs, and then all yeah. of a sudden you got money to spend potentially. So and that's what I mean. Yeah. Right, right. Um, the commander's job at the time of this recording remains open. Um, commanders with a high draft pick, that's a team with a ton of salary cap space. Good new ownership group in there. What do you think is going to happen there? Is it going to be Dan Quinn or is it going to be somebody else? Who's going to be the next commander's head coach? I thought that this was a possible landing spot for Bill Belichick at one point. Yeah. And then I know he got hot and heavy with the Falcons, and we can talk about that and what happened there. But I think that you – well, I think it would be a really good idea to get Dan Quinn 
And I tell you what I'd do if I was Dan Quinn. I'd keep the OC. Be enemy? Yeah. Yeah. I'd keep the enemy and say, hey, let's go do this together. Because then you've got Dan Quinn and his defensive mind and what he does. You're in a division where, I mean, the Giants are bad. Quinn knows a lot about the personnel at the Cowboys. And we don't know what the Eagles necessarily are right now. Right. So I think there's a lot that could happen there. They're not going to just drastically improve in one great leap. But because of the salary cap room, the high draft, they're a top five pick. Is that right? Second overall. Yeah. They're number two overall. Yeah. They're getting one of the two quarterbacks, unless you don't like May and you take Marvin Harrison Jr. Right. Which, again, I, I can kind of see that. I mean, we, I told you that beforehand, I'm going to go kind of watch some Drake May stuff because what I'd seen so far, I didn't like. But maybe you like Jaden Daniels. I, I do like Jaden Daniels, uh, but I think Jaden Daniels has got to sit for a year. I, I think that if Jaden Daniels went second overall, that would be a little bit of a stretch, but it's a possibility. Yeah. What would have helped Jaden Daniels, honestly, is if Lamar had beaten Mahomes because Jaden Daniels is the skill set of Lamar Jackson. Yeah. He's just the same kind of size, got a better arm, better passer. Can, yeah. He's fast, yeah. Um, yeah, so, yeah, he should break off a check to Lamar because Lamar's success is what's going to help Jaden Daniels be great in the NFL. Um, but, yeah, we'll see. Boy, if you – but if you are – Eric, B, if if it does – if in our scenario, if Dan Quinn goes in and keeps Eric B. Enemy, Eric B. Enemy might be going, hey, 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 I want that kid, the Heisman kid. Give me Jaden Daniels. Don't give me Drake May. Don't give me a white boy. <laughs> Maybe so. I said that jokingly. I said that jokingly. I know I joked with you that I said, oh, yes. I think Drake is another white boy. Um, look, Drake May's got some size. He's got a big arm, but I, I just haven't seen the game yet where I've gone, wow. Yeah. And honestly, what might have hindered him is his coaching staff in college. So yeah. I, I don't know. I'm going to go back and watch a lot that, of stuff. I'm going to go back and see what is that, it that I haven't seen that everybody else has. The defense was so bad that he wasn't the reason they lost games. Like, their defense cost yeah. And I've never seen him play bad, mm-hmm. but I haven't seen the, the skill set that people were telling me that this is who he is. Yeah. Like, the, the conclusion people are drawing is him and Justin Herbert. Yeah. And I don't think he's as skilled as Justin Herbert. I don't think that's even close. Herbert's better arm, more accurate, and he had more success. Like, Justin Herbert, when you watched him, you went, wow. I haven't seen Drake. And again, I didn't watch the four or five of their games and maybe bits and pieces of it. But I never went and went, wow. Last thing we on this. go, wow, watching Jaden Daniels. I right. did go wow watching Michael Penix a couple times. Um, I did go wow pretty much every time Caleb Williams plays. I never did about JJ McCarthy. You know, that's true. But there's certain things about him I do like. I I don't know that he's a franchise quarterback. I, I, I don't either. He's not a guy. I wouldn't draft JJ McCarthy in the first round. I, I I think that's pressing. That a team goes and takes JJ McCarthy in the first. Same thing with Bo Nix. I think that 
honestly, if I had to choose one or the other, you know, I'm a big Bo Nix guy. I think NFL success would be better for Bo Nix than for JJ McCarthy. Maybe so. Last thing, we'll end on this. Belichick, uh, not going to have a job more than likely, uh, unless something happens to the 11th hour at the Commanders. He'll be uh, starting his podcast soon, I guess, with the Ringer or Barstool or something and working TV uh, for some network, whatever it may be. Um, no Belichick. What, what's kind of your thoughts of the NFL world without Bill Belichick? I know life goes on, but it's still going to yeah. be weird uh, to see. I, you know, I thought that he was going to land somewhere, but yeah. did the rest – was it twofold? Was it teams not wanting to give him control, but also the fact they look at him and they say he's cooked, that they didn't like what happened in New England without Brady? Like, is it twofold there? I don't think that that was – I don't think the last place the issue. I, from what I understand, I read something this morning about it, about it saying that the he was he was down for the Falcons job. It looked like Arthur Blank wanted to hire Bill Belichick in Atlanta. And the issue was is that Belichick wanted control. He didn't want to be the general manager, but he wanted last approval on player personnel. Final say, yeah. But he also wanted to bring in a lot of his guys. He wanted to bring in Patricia and Joe Judge. And a few of those guys that his cronies, maybe, yeah, yeah, some of his cronies, and and maybe try to do a reset. And I think that it looks like the, the issue was in Atlanta specifically that Rich McKay said, "Wait a minute, I drafted this team and put this team together a certain way, and all we're missing is the quarterback." And Bill Belichick's going to come in and draft a center in the first round, you know, shit like that, and and. The idea being that they're going to reset the franchise for a coach who's really going to only be there a couple of years. It seems to be the thought process for Bill Belichick is that he wants to break Shula's record. He needs 13 wins to pass Don Shula in total life career wins in the NFL. And that that's more of a goal than anything else. I think, I think that's going to hurt him. I think that he's not going to get a job. He's not going to get a job this year. The only job that I see Bill Belichick getting in the next couple of years is the Dallas Cowboys if they move on from Mike McCarthy next season. He's going to be he's going to be in a booth somewhere next year. He's going to be on a pregame somewhere next year, whether it's ESPN or you know, AB, uh, CBS somewhere. And I will tell you, I think he'll be rather good. I do that. too. When you have, if you've seen him talk football, he's really good. Like, and he's, and he's funny. kind of personable. He's funny. Like, you know, inside the NFL's on Showtime and it's on Paramount now. Yeah. Inside the NFL man, show, yeah. Yeah. They should like fire like half those guys and put him on. Yeah. Put him on with a couple different guys and you'd be good. Or build a show around him. And say, hey, let's bring him in, talk about the history of football and how some of the things going on now relates to them being fantastic. I would love I'll, to see a game a- cast with him and Saban together. Oh, incredible. Do a full room show of some sorts, yeah. I'll make one prediction about Bill Belichick. If he does not coach again in the NFL and he does decide to coach again, Bill Belichick as the head coach at Navy makes a shitload of sense. That'd be entertaining. Now he's got a lot of pull for that in his past. He's 
the big Navy guy. I can see that. That that's something they can always put in their back pocket. Is that well? And I I liken that to when Bill Walsh went back to coaching and he went to Stanford, right? And that would be something I could see. I could see Bill Belichick doing that. But I think deep down, Bill Belichick wants that record. He wants uh, to have Don Shula's record. You and I like we nerd out over the broadcasting stuff. You know, like you know, I'm looking at the next few weeks once this season wraps up it's gonna be very fascinating where does Belichick go where does Saban go what happens with Greg Olson with Tom Brady stepping in the booth um Kirk Herbstreet we don't know if he's gonna stick around on Thursday night football you know too much longer and now we we just found out out of the blues out of nowhere Pat McAfee's coming back to the WWE how's that factor college game day I mean we're uh the media side of things gonna be fascinating here over the uh, the next few weeks where these people yeah. go Let's talk about that down the road, but I, I do have some feeling. I don't think I think McAfee's thing actually helps him on game day because it's not a Friday night show; it's the Monday night show, right? And then Saban's going to game day. I do. I think so. I think that's a done deal. I think that just makes too much sense, and he'll be really good. I mean, he's going to be. I, I'm a I'm a Nick Saban, even though he's now now a coach, and I'm an LSU guy. I'll always love Nick Saban because he reset my program, and he's just. He and Belichick are – they're going to be better on TV than you think. Yeah. Well, and, and then the Greg Olson thing. Like I said, yeah. we'll talk more about this later. A lot of people feeling bad for Greg and all this. Like, I get it. Greg's done a great job. But he knew what he signed up for, taking that job, that he was going to get replaced by Tom Brady. And he's raised his stock and profile so much. He's going to be fine at some point. He'll be okay. Yeah. Yeah, I, he's going to land somewhere on his feet and make a lot more, like a lot of money. He's done a very good job. I don't think he had a great game this week or last week. I don't think he's been the only you. I don't think he was very good in those two forty nine games. I think he kind of slobbed a little too much on Brock Purdy. But I like him better uh, than Romo. Better. What's that? I like him better than Romo or Collinsworth right now. Oh, uh, Romo's been awful, and we can get into that later too. But Romo's been as good as he started out. He's been equally bad this season. I think him and Jim Nance are by far the worst number one team. Like, I don't think it's even close. The one where it lost it for me was uh, the Bills Steelers game a couple weeks ago. And he says, when you watch the film, Jalen Warren just doesn't jump out on tape. Like, I I'm surprised how well he's playing. I'm like, what film are you watching? Jalen Warren's been fantastic for Pittsburgh all year. Because he, he doesn't watch film, he only watches the quarterback. Right. Yeah, I mean, he doesn't. As good as he was, because he was good because he was different. Right. And he didn't stay up on it. Yeah. I do like the meme that's out there. That's how come Tony Romo is so good at identifying defenses now, and was so bad about it when he was a when he was a player. You know, it's like okay, I get it. Why weren't you that good when you were a player? Right. Let's get into that in a couple after the Super Bowl. We can get in all. Oh yeah, this. well, I have plenty of time to kill on this uh, yeah. broadcasting free agency. Would be a whole other thing in itself. We'll get you on my podcast. Talk about that too. Oh yeah, I got thoughts. Uh, Bo, appreciate the time as always. Uh, what's uh, what's coming up on the podcast here? Well, we're gonna do uh, some discussion on this past week. Obviously, we're not gonna do a Super Bowl preview till next week. Uh, this week, we're just we're too far out. We're gonna we don't we, we're not gonna do that a week early. Uh, but we've got a lot to talk about with football. We've got a lot to talk about with a little bit of college basketball talk and just some off-season stuff. Um, special recording this weekend. I'm doing a special episode on uh, on a baseball side on Shohei Otani. 
um, and some of the legal stuff going on with his contract. I've done a boatload of research for this, and this was pretty amazing when he's pulled off on this. So if you're interested in the sports business parts of it, the next couple episodes that we'll nerd out about the about that stuff. We went through the entire segment without uh, mentioning uh, Swift and Kelsey. I'm proud of us uh, for doing that today. Hey, I do have one thing to say about that. Oh, no. We, we almost haven't made talked it. about it. Well, we haven't talked about it. I do want to say something about it. Okay. I don't see what the big deal is. I don't People either. Against it. So I, I look, she's a doll, first off. I disrespect the shit. I respect yeah. the shit. And why can't two people, whether they're public people or not, just be fucking happy right. and let us be before them? Right. And, and anyone who's knocking Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey, look, that's all. Yeah. That's just because of their own misery. Be happy for a dude that found a woman. And then I mean, look, people talking about the over-the-top TV coverage and all this. You know how much airtime she got last week? 24 seconds. Yeah. And here's the thing I will say. The one thing the NFL did really well about the Taylor Swift thing. The one game they put on the Peacock exclusive, they put Taylor Swift's team on there. You put that on there. They made, This is checkmate by Roger Goodell. This was, we're going to get Peacock a shitload of subscribers. I look. I'm happy for two people who can be happy because as a married man and a man that's been married for 24 years, I can tell you it is not always sunshines and rainbows. And when you can have happiness in your relationship, and especially if you're public people, be happy for them and be happy for anyone who can be happy. Right. That's my thing. I don't get involved in anyone else's shit like that. And I think that if you can't be happy for them, that's more a reflection of who you are than who they are. Yeah. Peacock gained 3 million subscribers from that game. That was checkmate by Roger Goodell. The NFL has generated an additional $330 million in revenue thanks to Taylor Swift this season. Good for, good for them. Good for everybody. Good, good for, for business. Yes. Good for Travis Kelsey. Who doesn't love love? Wow. Yes. There. We have not talked about it all season. We're going to talk about it now. We got it out of the way. But that's where I'm at on. You, you, you know, I can be a hater about things, but I'm not going to be a hater about that. There's no reason to. No. Two people are happy. Who am I to say they can't be happy? I found out today that apparently Andy met her first before Travis did many years ago. I heard something <laughs> about that in passing too. Yeah. yeah. Man, she obviously doesn't like, doesn't like guys like Andy then, you know. Yeah. Get a little for her, I guess. But, you know, I. Well, I'll, we mentioned broadcasters. Uh, you know, we, we said we weren't throwing shit at Taylor, but uh, I'm glad she doesn't work in our industry because she, she doesn't know broadcasters. She told Tony, you're doing a great job after the game. <laughs> Look, is that not a sweetheart, though? No, you're right. Yeah, right. To at least, yeah, to say something to Tony, to Tony Romo when really he's doing a piss poor job. Right. Um, yeah, I, <laughs> I can't get with her. That's, and I'm not like a huge fan I enjoy what music I have. I'm not as familiar with it. I don't have a young girl. I have a son. That's not our type of music. But everything I've heard, she's uber talented. She's very kind, it seems. And she uses her fame to the good fortune of others. Um, what else do you want a celebrity? Right. You know what? Bless her. Bless her heart. Do it. Do whatever you want to do. Be kind. He's Coach Ball. Because if we can uh, be kind to each other, then that's what makes this world a lot better place. And someone like that, any kind, good for her. Good for her. Good. 
Be kind and get get out of here with your bullshit. <laughs> but yeah, um, people who are hating on that whole thing, get over it. It's just there's there's no reason to be upset with someone like that, right? You know? He's Coach Bo. Uh, check him out. Counter Advisor Group, OHGCast.com, Group.com, Coach Bo knows podcasts as well. Bo, appreciate the time as always. Uh, looking forward to next week talking about uh, the Super Bowl War in depth. Absolutely, Tyler. Thanks a lot. Have a good day, buddy. Final segment before we go. It's our Tom Fullery story of the week. Thomas Bridges standing by with something ridiculous happening in the world. Tom, where are we going to this time? Jones, we love moms here on the show. We're big mom-centered. Moms like Lisa and Misty, we love our moms here. Yes. Um, and, and on the opposite end of the spectrum, we love other moms that are much younger than Lisa and Misty that are closer to our age. We love MILFs. We do. <laughs> I mean, I wasn't going to say it, but she's had to say I mean, you said it. This is going to come from, and this is this is a mom, and this is coming from Fox 12, Oregon. But we're not going to Oregon. We're, not, we're going, we're not going to even get close to the West Coast. We're going to the furthest east, and we're not going Florida man. We're going Florida woman, which is even better. This has to do with a mom. This has to do with a Christian school, and it has to do with OnlyFans. Oh, boy. And, and that is a triple threat. Like I said, comes from Fox 12, Oregon, but we are going to Florida. And the article reads, Mom banned from dropping kids off at Christian school due to OnlyFans ad on her car. Tavares, Florida. A mom in Central Florida has been banned from dropping her kids off at a private Christian school because of an advertisement for her OnlyFans account on her vehicle. Michelle Klein says the school is making her park across the street, which forces her kids to cross a busy road, go down a sidewalk, and walk through the parking lot to get to school. That is, unless she takes the ad for the adult content site off of her car. Klein goes, oh, this is even better. She has a porn star name. Michelle Klein goes by the name Piper Fawn. What Piper a dirty Fawn. bitch. Wow. What a dirty bitch to promote her adult content. That's how she can pay for the Christian school. Welcome to Florida. Right. Uh, she, she has a large decal that stretches across her vehicle's back windshield to promote her OnlyFans account. Jones, I have not seen a one a billboard or an ad on a car. She's She's got the porno NASCAR. She's driving she's driving the Pornhub car for NASCAR, dude. She she's gonna be at the Daytona five hundred. You know, we used to think the Budweiser car was bad. You know, if there was a NASCAR driver that would drive like the Pornhub car, who would it be? Oh, you know, I I hate to admit it, but she's kinda Would it be Axe Larson? She's kind of getting a little seductive going that route. It wouldn't surprise me if she started one herself, like Natalie Decker in the Xfinity series. Like, and she, who she, were the who were the twins that hung up on us way back in the day? Oh, the uh, the Cope twins, uh, Amber and Angela. Yeah, 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 yeah. They they, 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 were, they 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 had some fake tits. Yeah, could she? Yeah, she could drive like the, you know, if if you had like a. You know, a Daytona race, you could have the Bang Bros car or something like that. Oh, yeah. 
Wouldn't that be that would be a time? How, yeah, I'm surprised OnlyFans hasn't. I don't know what the regulations are behind that. How is OnlyFans not sponsored a NASCAR vehicle? Right, and and that's the next like, one, is it not? It's not like that. They have to spend a ton of money. Like you could be on an Xfinity or Truck Series car, pretty cheap. <laughs> I know a guy. I do know a guy. Yeah. <laughs> Let's get David Starr to drive that. Yeah, that's awesome, buddy. He wouldn't even know what it is. And he's like, yeah, I'll drive. We'll take your money. Oh, my God, man. That would be that would be awesome, buddy. I mean, I would need a shirt. I'm not trying to get too off track because I do want to get back. We'll to the keep story. Going, but that would that would be incredible. Not trying to get too off track because I do want to get back to the story. But I mean. David, I love him, but I'll, I'll say this: like the guy doesn't drink, and I've seen alcohol sponsors on his car, and, and he has no idea what that stuff even tastes like. He, he's like, "Yeah, we'll take your money. Yeah, that's awesome, buddy." <laughs> yeah, he would have to be the number sixty-nine car. We'll get back oh, to the story. There would be not be another. It would, or it would have to be like eighty-eight, like kind of like a pair of Hooters. Yes, that would be the only way. Or just the number eight would be fine too. Oh, that would be that would be incredible. Anyway, she's got a across her back windshield, so she's already in Florida. People in Florida, I'm sure, drive fast. So she's already, if her kids don't make it through school or if they get hit by a car on the road, she's going to start her NASCAR career. Drive fast. Anyway, drive fast. She says her 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 adult content. Yeah, her adult content is her business and her way of life. My husband and I had this, you know, little wild, you know, behind closed doors lifestyle that we've now decided to share. But other parents at Liberty Christian Prep don't want their children seeing any advertisements for that kind of content. Lexi Thomas is one of those parents. That's a distraction to my children, Thomas said. And no matter how poorly or how good I parent, porn is there. And that is the kind of first thing they're seeing when they're going in a place that should be educating them. Yeah, you get a little bit of sex ed at Liberty Christian. <laughs> Thomas also said the decal is distracting because it's because of its large size. It's not just a <laughs> tiny little emblem on the back of a car. It's taking up the entire windshield, she said. I can tell After, you where else you can see some large size. Uh, right. After several parents complained, the school told Klein she has to drop her kids off across the street. <laughs> Oh my God, that's hilarious! Other uh, like, what's it say on the back windshield? Like, honk twice if you love big tits. <laughs> honk twice if Jesus loves titties. Like, what? What does it say? Yikes! Oh my gosh, uh, <laughs> that would be hilarious. I would honk. I would be on the horn the whole time. Other parents say there's an easy solution to the problem. Klein should just take the decal off of her car. And that one seemed like an easy thing to say for sure, Klein said. But for me, you know, it supports my family. This provides a very comfortable way of life for us. And it's, sure legal, you, <laughs> and it's legal, you know. I pay taxes just like everybody else, but I'm not breaking the law. I just offended people. Klein says she wants the school at the very least to provide somewhere to help her kids get across the street safely. 
I got to read the comments. There's 925. Oh, boy. Uh, she's bragging about all the media attention on social media. Obvious ad is obvious. <laughs> like Christian school doesn't want porn advertisements on campus. Anybody surprised by this? I'm 90% sure she only did this to make the news for additional exposure. I think she did. Um, I mean, do her kids really even go there or is she just driving around getting attention? I mean, why not? Like if it's, I mean, I mean like what she ought to do is she ought to keep driving around those places, like go to some church parking lots, whatever, like, you know, keep on. keeping. <laughs> Someone says, why didn't she just park her tail wagon and walk her own kids across the street? Like an adult, like you want to make some real content, just go out and shake your titties out in a, in a, a skimpy ass dress across and get all these dads dropping their kids off in the morning to buy your only fans. You Man. gotta, you know, I don't want to see a, I don't want to see a G wagon. I want to see a G string walk across the parking lot, dropping kids off. You know, I, I would be, I feel bad for the kids uh, of what they must be hearing uh, about their mom, but can you imagine being the kid that, that, buys it and says yeah i saw your mom's titties last night <laughs> oh i mean you know they you know they will I, I mean i'm like let's see someone you know to mention that you said her poor kids and another person said i got into an argument with one of my exes about this kind of stuff we we're talking about another situation like like this and my point was as a mother your decisions affect your whole family. You're not some single 19-year-old girl sneaking into bars. You're blasting your asshole on the internet for all your kids' friends to see, and believe me, they will. Uh, I mean, Back yeah, that ass up. Listen, like back in our day, Jones, we didn't have Snapchat or Tinder or any of this other shit back in high school, but believe me, if there was OnlyFans and somebody would have had if somebody's mom would have had an OnlyFans and there's a couple moms back in my day being 16, 17, we would all loved and seen. We oh, and they would have had an OnlyFans, by God, we would have we would have shared it with the whole school. Oh, absolutely. And we would have roasted that kid and would it have been wrong to do, yeah, but we would have done it. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. We would have we would have we would have had it plastered on every boy's bathroom. Oh, and, and then just all the comments like, oh, yeah, yeah, I, I, I jerked off to your mom last night, you know, like. Oh, I might not even said that. I might not even been that liberal with it. But by God, I would have let him, I would have let, I would have let whoever know that, like, <laughs> hey, listen, yeah, you know. I left I your mom. For, I, I paid for your school lunch this week. I left your mom a big tip and I gave her some extra juice. Yeah, I'd have been like, yeah, how do you think you just bought that Mazio's pizza for lunch? Me and my dad, <laughs> my dad subbed to your mom's OnlyFans. Right. Man, you know the dads are like subscribing. The 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 dads of the, the fellow students. Oh, of course they are. And that's on, you know, on some, you know, I wouldn't. I don't know, man. If you had a wife and there's another hot mom with an OnlyFans and you were a wife, you would be so hardcore looking at like the, the credit card statement bill because that would just that would just be a point of contingent. Even if you didn't buy in, 
imagine all these other moms like seeing this probably I bet she's hot. I'm I'm fixing to look her up just to see if she's hot. I mean I actually yeah, we gotta know. This is for research purposes. Just some research. See how much her uh, account is. Michelle Klein. What did I say her name was Piper Fawn? Yeah. What a that's not even a real name. <laughs> she's hot. Yeah, she's hot. Uh well I'd say she's she's kind of like I don't know. I wouldn't say she's maybe hot. She's she's like I don't know, she's a little trailer park hot a little bit, I guess. Who's I don't even, even want to say that. Who's her comp? She, I don't even I don't even know one. She I'm okay. I gotta. Oh my gosh! This is a horrendous ad on the back of this vehicle. There's this ain't even. Oh, and she's got like the racing stripes on like a. I don't even know what this is like a Dodge SUV. I'm sending it to you right now. This is. I don't know. She looks tacky. She's very tacky hot. Yeah. She looks like a. She looks like she would be front of house manager for a couple twenty somethings at Twin Peaks. She looks a little pat. I don't know. She's she's definitely got fake titties, and I don't know. I bet I bet the dad. I bet they're swingers. Yeah, the husband looks like yeah. Okay, never mind. I I take back that statement. She looks like a Florida meth head. She's got a great body. How her, much? Eyes, her eyes are a little wonky a little bit. She, Yeah, she's done some meth in her time, probably. How much did her OnlyFans cost? I'm not seeing that yet. Um, all the all the things I'm pulling up. Piper Fawn, OnlyFans. This is for research purposes only. Right. These listening uh, for, and I'd put this, I'd oh, seen two hours ago. I'm just a down-home Southern girl that likes to have a little fun on camera. I hope you guys enjoy what you see. I have a tan skin like an island girl. Come check me out, y'all. Instagram, PiperFawn20. $13.99 a month, Jones. She's cheaper than Netflix. Well, you can put that on the uh, company card of, for Studio Soapbox, you know, for, for business purposes. PiperFawn20. Let's check out how many. Oh, let's check her out. She's only got 1,800 followers. She follows 55. Let's look at her story. Oh, she's putting it on there. Um, she, I mean, yeah, she's she's putting it up on there, on the news. Let's check this out, Jones. She, she literally posted the story on her Instagram. I'm sending it to the group chat. Uh, top comment, how Christian of them. You should get that prude Lexi a thank you card for the free national advertising she got you. Saw this from Virginia, so I followed you. <laughs> oh, my gosh. In the long run, they just helped you get so many new followers. Jones, can we just get her on the show next week? Yeah, why not? I- I'm I'm looking through her Instagram right now. <laughs> too, many tat- too many tattoos for my type. You know, I like it. I like some. I like some ink for sure. She just, 
I don't mind a little bit, but but a little too over the top for me. Look at the eyes, though. She, I don't know. Yeah, she's done some meth in her time for sure. <laughs> I know some meth when I see it. Oh man. Yeah, yeah, she's done some meth. I'll, I'm gonna take a pass on this one. Not that I don't, not that I don't pass on most OnlyFans, but well, really all of them. Um, but. Jones, I mean, credit to her, I guess. Um, you know, if we were gonna if we were gonna expand and hire a PR department, and she put an application in, we might have to interview her because she just played her way into probably several more thousand dollars than what she was making. She obviously knows how to do marketing. She's a hell of a promoter. I mean, yeah. I mean, I've. I don't know. One of these days, one of these days, it's going to come up. Either you or I are going to run for president, or something's going to happen, and this episode's going to come up, and they were going to like you are objectifying sex workers and OnlyFans, and I'm like, and they're like, and they're like, here's a clip of of Democrat, uh, you know, representative or Democrat, um, or Libertarian uh, president elect Thomas Bridges here objectifying. This Florida woman who has kids that's dropping them off at a private Christian school with OnlyFans on the back of their car. And they're like, sir, when they're going to be like, sir, was this you? Absolutely, it was. Oh, yeah, it was. It was. And, you know, Jones, I don't, you know, for me, now this story came out yesterday. You got to have more than 1,800 followers. If you're gonna do this, but she fully posted get, it on the news. She she's gonna get more. This is gonna pay off. I wonder what her husband does. Like, if you go to a private Christian school in Florida, it's probably gonna cost a little bit more than twenty five hundred a semester, twenty five hundred a year, unless you're cheaping out on the private school. Um. Well, as we started this show, I figure we end this the same way. It's going to take some amazing grace. <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah, it's, it's going to take a little, yeah, she's going to have to, maybe she needs to go back in and take a couple classes at that Christian school. Amazing Zen, how good it takes. <laughs> she is a mad, yeah, she gets sponsored by the Zen. Oh, she definitely does Zen. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. She yeah, I you know I I would looking at this girl if she if she was dipping Copenhagen I would not be shocked not one bit. Yeah, she's a Copenhagen mint type girl. On that note, we'll get out of here. Uh, big thanks, Derek Havlin, Coach Bo, for joining us. You, the listener, as well. Subscribe to Jonesport. New episodes out each and every week. Uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, check us out on social media, facebook.com slash Tyler Jones Live, X at Tyler Jones Live, X at Thomas underscore Bridges, Instagram, Tyler Jones Live, Insta Thomas, Jones underscore Report. You can find us there. And uh, we'll see you all right back here next week. For Coach Bo, Thomas Bridges, Derek Hagman, our entire crew, I'm Tyler Jones. Thanks so long. It's been another edition of Jones Sport. We'll see you next week.